0: And welcome to Conversations on Karate. I'm Sue.
1: I'm Greg, and today we have a returning guest, don't we, Sue? And since we last spoke to him, we've had a whole pandemic. He's moved countries twice. Uh, It's it's been a hell of a few years. So we're joined again by Patrick McCarthy.
0: We are. If you would like to listen to me and Greg say approximately three words, well, Patrick regales us with incredible stories history and everything that's been going
1: on you are gonna love yes. this absolutely enjoy
0: we're just saying we haven't spoken since 2019 when you were still in la patrick amazing
2: gosh you know it's it's uh there's the <laughs> there's the boss to look at it <laughs> you know you know it's it's funny there's an interesting term in uh japanese culture and it goes something like um Ato desne, and you know you're having a conversation with somebody, and you 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 haven't seen them for a long time, and and but you you feel it was just like the other day, and they go, oh my god, and then they use the term Atoyuma desne. Time flies by like an arrow, you know, and uh, it's funny <laughs> when you just when we said that, the first thing that entered my brain. I've only been here. This is year three for me now here in in. Uh, in uh, Okinawa, Japan, I, the first thing in my mind was, Ato desne. not, not, well, it has been a long time, you know, so my brain is, you know, is slowly uh, coming back. You know, I. you probably, you know. did I ever tell you this before? I had been here for, I'd lived here for 10 years before. I yeah. came here, I got married, I'd lived here for 10 years, so, you know, and, and it was the college course that took me off to uh, uh, instructor Training Program, took me to Australia, so, but look, Sue asked the questions just Greg just before you would come. We were talking about uh LA and it was the winter when you were so had had the shit hit the fan yet? Uh what, no, had the was... happened, had, had it all happened yet yeah.
1: No, I think well, we, it was it was just before,
2: I think. Yeah. 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 So I was I'm gonna give a little bit of background. So I'm a Canadian as you you, you know. <laughs> never shake the accent here, you know, but and um um, and born way over on the east coast of Canada, Scottish, Irish, English, uh, area over there, you know. And, um, and then, you know, uh, because of my dad's, uh, uh profession, he got transferred out from our little, uh, hometown of St. John, the Brunswick in 1970. Actually, he, he'd been transferred out in, earlier, a year earlier, but he moved us out to relocate in the summer of 1970. And, uh, and then, of course, I'd finished my, uh, a secondary education in, uh, Toronto, which is where we relocated really like. to, and then, uh, largely due to, uh, a a, a, a government bill which had been passed, uh, about, um, um, the shooting of films in Canada called, uh, I think it was called the CRTC Bill 88 by Pierre Trudeau back in the day, uh, and my... My partner in those days, she'd uh, she was running a, um, you know, like a casting agency where you cast uh, people into films and and commercials and you know things, gigs like that, yeah. and and uh, the bill had passed and there was an opportunity to go west to Vancouver, uh, which was the Hollywood of the West in those days, you know, and so she said, "Want to come with me?" And I went, "Yes." And that's how I got to go west uh, and arrive in Vancouver in 1979 and establish my dojo there, by the way. So so, the idea of going all the way across to Canada and winding up in Vancouver, I often refer to that as my home. Oh, yeah, my home type of thing, right? And then from there, relocating to Japan in the mid-1980s uh, until the mid-1990s took a that, that whole decade of time living up on the mainland and I was I was not here in Okinawa then I was up on the up in a place called uh, in a prefecture uh, province state if you will called uh, Kanagawa in a a tiny little wonderful village called Fujisawa and um, and it was there that I had started venturing back and forth from you know the mainland to here in Okinawa and to China and you know, uh, Hong Kong, Southeast Asia, on on my on my so-called research mission. But I had always, I had you know, being on the West Coast, uh, cheap vacations for us in those days was a junket flight to Mexico, or a or a weekend in Hawaii. Uh, you know, today you think, oh, I've got to go to Hawaii for it's like ridiculously expensive. For us in those days, I could get a junket flight to uh, Acapulco for $199, you know, and uh, of course you could spend that much in one night as well while you were there, but the flight down and back in the rack them and stack them type of uh, hotel rooms, very cheap back in the day, you know, and so this whole concept about there being on the West Coast and and, and of course California was a, uh, was a target location, Southern California, you know, was like, uh, and you uh, Beautiful weather, friendly people, uh, In those, and of course in those days, you know, late 70s, early very inexpensive for us, the uh, Canadian dollar. At one point the Canadian dollar was even worth a few cents more than the American dollar at the time, so it was a, it was a great location. And I had always thought, you know, one day when this is all over and done with, I'm gonna relocate and retire in Southern California. That's the place to go, you know. And um, anyways, and you know, all the songs, the Beach Boys, all of you, you get this, you have this, uh, or at least I, I I had this image of how wonderful Southern California was. So, of course, you know, then I was away for a decade in Japan. And then I was away in uh, Oceania, you know, Australia for more than 20 years, so there's three decades which has gone by. Of course I'm traveling the world, and, and, and of, of course I've been in, in uh, uh, L.A. and surrounding there's dozens of times, you know, over those three decades, you know, teaching seminars and, and, and what have you, but I was always being greeted or hosted or visiting folks in my industry in 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 the karate industry martial art industry and i was there for you know photo shoots or magazine covers or interviews or teaching of seminars you know so the point being i was always with someone uh and either staying at their place or put up in a hotel or you know and, and the point being you know i i wasn't kind of venturing out on, on my own and i was always kind of you know hermetically sealed in a in a defensive package you know uh, kept away from all the, the the bad areas, if you will, and now here I am selling everything I own. My children my children, growing up got educated. They're, they're actually, they came back in. <laughs> they're living in Japan, by the way. And uh, I say to my wife, you know, let's make this plan. Let, let's get out. Let's, let's sell everything we have in Australia. Australia can run itself as far as my group is going to have a big following there. They're all big boys and take care of themselves, and They're not going to miss me too much anyway. I can always travel back. And let's get our asses over to Southern California. Right away, my wife went, I don't think it's a good idea. And I went, you don't know what you're talking about. Come on. You're going to love it. You know, we know all these people. And, uh, you know, and. And and you know interestingly enough, just not long not before I I think just really honestly months earlier I had been in LA you know ending up my North American uh, sorry uh, South and North American Seminar American tour and I ended up in LA and I would you know visit some folks you know uh, um, uh, you know guys who worked in the industry and stuff like that. I, I I had a fabulous time. Some I'm saying, no, you know, honey, we can do it. Anyway, long story short is I get the uh, uh, I get the uh, okay from the boss. Okay, we're going to do it. I'm support you. But it was a plan. I, had a, I love plans. I work on plans. And the plan was going to be a five-year plan. We were going to go her for five years. And, we, and, of course, rather than rent the place, we would buy a place because then we'd sell it and make our money back and not have to pay money to live there, so to speak, you know. And uh, I was going to... Um, Travel around the continental United States, uh, establishing uh, branches of my group in all the states if I could, you know, and, and, you know, have fun. And and I love American culture, you know, especially uh, east, the southeast, you know, and the food is great, the people are friendly, you know. Anyway, so that that was the plan. So from the time we said, yes, we're going to do it, until the time we actually got there, it was a um, a highly stressful... (laughs) Uh, and uh, extremely convoluted uh, uh, experience. You know, I didn't realize. You know, I'm a Canadian, right? So, so even though I have lived away for many, many years, because of my Canadian, because of my passport, you know, my citizenship, I could just simply. I could walk across. You know, in, I can get off a flight anywhere in the United States, show my passport. They say, "Welcome, uh, Northern Canadian brothers. You know, come on, type of thing." I don't need a visa. You know, all that type of stuff, right? now if i'm going to work for a company there and you know, pay taxes i then need to get a work visa of course but at my age uh, uh under the circumstances there's a there's a there's a kind of a reciprocal uh, agreement uh, the united states has with canada they call us canadian snowbirds you know over 65 going down to retire they call us snowbirds. so and so we're basically allowed to work as long as we pay our taxes and i think there's a threshold on the ceiling of you know what you're supposed to be earning otherwise you're not retired you know and so so it was fine but my my wife is Japanese and even though she's entitled to Canadian citizenship we've never really taken it out for her because uh, uh, we weren't coming back to Canada you know for for one thing and the second thing was um, while you could have dual uh, citizenships and more in various countries Japan is not Japan's a little bit more strict with regards to that if you're a Japanese national and you know, you're married to a, foreigner, a foreign national, uh, you're certainly able to uh, get a, uh, you know, that whatever that country's citizenship is, but it's at the cost of giving up your Japanese citizenship. And, you know, my wife, my wife has paid into, you know, uh, the tax system for 30 years or more, and, and you know, so she won't lose any of that type of stuff, right? So we said, okay, so I went through the immigration process. There's lots of ways to do it. I won't bore you with all the details. I just, I just kind of self-funded myself, you know, to, to go through it just to save all the problem. But immigration said, you know, in order to get there in your industry, because, you know, you're going to be doing karate, you need to get the uh, letters of support from uh, leaders in the industry. And I said, oh, that's no problem. I called hey, Chuck. <laughs> Chuckle, you know, I mean, uh, immigration, it was invented by him, right? So that so and um, and I remember uh, the immigration lawyer I was speaking with, a uh, 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 lovely uh, uh, Jewish uh, uh, attorney from Beverly Hills, of all places. She said, no, that's not the way it works. <laughs> she said, according to the statute in our legal book, you need to contact so and so, so and so and so and so. And I said, I've never even heard of them before. Who are they? And they said, oh, they're all the, they're the president of the uh, World Karate Federation. And, you know, you're Canadian, so it will be the, the president of the Canadian Karate Federation. Or Australia, the president of the Australian Karate Federation. And all these. And I went, I said, that's the sport of karate. Those guys are the head of sporting organizations. I haven't practiced sport karate for My goodness mid-80s? Mid-1980s? mid, 80s, mid, mid 1980s. And I said, I don't even know a soul, and I doubt they would know me, you know. Anyway, just jump ahead a little bit. Overwhelmingly um, uh, gracious uh, uh, gifts from all of these guys. When I reached out to them, they, did, they all knew me. Oh, yes, yeah, Senator McCarthy. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, we would be more than happy to, uh, you know, Antonio Espinosa, President of the World Karate Federation. 100, 100 million members in this organization. No problem. Letter. I, President of the Canadian uh, Karate Center, AAU, uh, Joe Mears. I mean, letters. I'm wow, my goodness, this is you know kind of humbling, right? So I, I get the letters. I throw them in. Anyway, money later. House sold. Business. Medicals. Criminal checks. All these things that you got to go through. We're all set to go. And we get there. It's beautiful weather. I'm, Literally, remember going down the stairs, in immigration taking full you know selfies with the American flag in the background, saluting. I was so excited to be there, so happy, and and then and then you know I got this place right downtown in the heart of you know called DTLA. You know, there's all kinds of. I, I always call uh, LA. Uh, I've come. I, I I learned how to call LA uh, a um, uh, city of villagers, You know because that's what it is. You know, there's there's West LA, there's Hollywood, there's uh, Santa Monica, there's Beverly Hills. These are all villages all come together. But right in the heart of it all is DTLA, downtown Los Angeles. And I don't know what ever compelled me to park my ass there, but that's, that's where we went. And I gotta tell you, and up was an absolutely beautiful, uh, you know, uh, luxurious, Five star condominium I was living in, and you know, it, all all kinds of famous people living there. I felt really important. Oh my God, I'm like, oh, I'm, like a, I'm just a glorified karate teacher, but I'm living around all the, it's fantastic, you know. And then my, my son uh, in those days had been working for Goldman Sachs, he's a lawyer working for Goldman Sachs, got transferred over to um, San Francisco. And so, uh, so we drove up the coast uh, from LA. Uh, Absolutely beautiful drive. That Pacific Coast Highway is. I recommend it for even though I hate L.A. now, that 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 drive up the the drive from you know up around the just south of uh, San Francisco all the way down the coast to uh, Los Angeles. Oh, it is uh, God's country. Anyway, so we went up. We we spent a week or so visiting him uh, during his project, and then you know when that was over, we went to Napa Valley, did the wine run, stayed a couple of days. And then we just gradually did that drive back down the Pacific Coast Highway. Absolutely. I mean, we ended the tour and visiting Hearst Castle. It was absolutely. Strange. And then we hear, and we've been hearing on the news, you know, uh, uh, COVID uh, in China, you know, monkeys, you know, this type of stuff. What's going on with all that crazy talk again, you know? and And then we were about an uh, we were about two hours outside of LA, um, north of LA, when we heard uh, Governor, that guy's a bad person, but anyway, Gavin Newsom comes on, he goes, he goes. we're entering a, 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 pan, a this pandemic, is a, we're shutting down, it's a national shutdown. I went, like, what? And they literally, you know, shutting everything down, the masks. It was the very beginning of the pandemic, and I'm, oh, my God. And I remember my wife saying, we best go shopping right now. We'll just, here, pull off the road right over there. We'll go, and I'm, we went in. There wasn't a soul in the place. We were shopping. We bought, like, you know, like one month's worth of, uh, I didn't, we didn't know how long the pandemic, the pandemic could have lasted a whole month, You know, we didn't know, right? So we bought toilet paper and all the things, you know what I mean? And actually, when we were coming out from the, from the grocery department store it was packed we went in there was nobody there an hour after the announcement it was packed i was wondering wow what the heck's going on we drove back to la and i gotta tell you i'm sure somebody's going to be making a movie on us pretty soon that's where it began and i'll tell you this whole idea of being in this wonderful city just it was like this domino effect and and it i mean i we we you, we never got used to the uh helicopters overhead you know like the like li- literally low flying uh military uh, law enforcement and news helicopters over various places of our area dtla kind of reminded me of that movie what was it though with the charlie sheen you know opens up uh, apocalypse now yeah. you know he's, he's laying in his whole vietnam hotel room and, and he's i don't know he's hot and sweating and the lights gradually come up and you hear this and it's the sound of the helicopter blades above them that's the feeling i had And, and you it wasn't you could it wasn't a couple of gunshots that you could hear it was consistent automatic weapons uh explosions i mean it got so bad looting robbing murders uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the Trump-Biden war. Uh, I, it was, and of course, there was another issue as well. Uh, this guy I had arranged a business deal with, uh, that went south as well. So, so, and all of these things coming together at one time. Uh, my, my, there was an attempted at robbery on my, wa- uh, my wife, just outside our building. And, and you know, by, by the time, the, by, <laughs> the joke about the police coming. It took the police two days to come, by the way, you know. <laughs> Because yeah, well, an attempt at robbery, you know, armed robbery in front of our house. That didn't actually rate up very high on the totem pole for you know, and, and the joke was when they were and, and you kinda remember they were defunding the law enforcement there. They were getting you know, police officers were getting killed. Uh, I mean, down on my street on Broadway, uh, on one I remember one night we looked out it was all on fire. And uh and then the next day as we ventured out really early in the morning to walk down the street. Uh uh, 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 law enforcement, uh, uh, emergency vehicles, uh, had, they're already out. I mean, the fires had already burned out overnight. Vehicles, uh, windows for blocks and blocks and uh, smashed out, looted, and, you know, people laying, I don't know, if, I don't know if they were dead, but the people, you know, don't forget, there's also 66,000 Homeless people in the DTL area. A small, a small, a small detail never revealed to us before we moved there. Type of thing. So Can you imagine all of the you get all this stuff going, right? Yeah. And the guy goes, "Well, that didn't last too long, did you?" And the funny part about it was, you know, uh, and now that the pandemic was on, there was there were travel restrictions, you know. And my wife said, "I'm leaving." She says, "I know. I I know. I said I would come here to support you a minimum of one year." She said "But." this is, this is, you know, it's, 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 dangerous. And there was, there's lots of other things too about, you know, we had armed guards in our, uh, condominium. We had five of them uh, at any one given time, five armed guards, you know, nice suits walking around protecting yeah. our facilities, right? It, it went down to one after a while, one, one, and he was taking care of two buildings, you know, and it was, uh, anyway, so, so. My wife, I drove her to the airport early one morning. I waited there and she got on the flight. Boom! She went, and she came to Japan, and it took me several months thereafter trying to get rid of. I'm trying to get out of the contract, you know. Sell everything. but Remember, we bought everything: starting yeah. life, car insurance, furniture, you know, everything possible. possibly That all went out the window, you know. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars lost. In this whole deal, so I was not a happy shopper, to, to say the very least, mm-hmm. and and especially I could not go to Japan because I'm not Japanese. It doesn't matter that I'm married to a Japanese. It doesn't matter that I was a uh, a former uh, permanent resident of Japan. or that I speak Japanese or that my children were born in Japan are are living there right now. Are are you know a doctor, lawyer? That that didn't make any difference at all. I was a foreign national. I didn't even have a visa, you know. So I had to go back to Canada. That was the only, it was the only, the only escape route was, you know, Snake Pluskin, man, escaped from, escape from, not, not New York, it was number two, escaped from L.A. And Snake helped me out, man, I'd Get on that airplane. I flew to Canada. I never looked back again, you know. And so, you know, people all said, wow, my goodness. And, and the, it really sad because I had some very, very good friends, you know, very good friends, Kent Moyer, uh, uh, Val uh, you know, guys who I'd uh, really, really missed, still miss those guys, you know. And, uh, and, uh, but it was gone. It was, it was an in and out of a year. That was it. That was, uh, but anyway, so, you know, so we kind of got, we arrived back here and we were not going to live up. We, by the way, we still have a house after all these years up in where my wife is originally from in Nagano Prefecture, Japanese Alps. Be- absolutely beautiful, much like Canada, but I ain't going back to the snow. I never had any intention of getting my ass back in that cold weather slush black ice, I'm, it looks great from a distance i love skiing i haven't skied for years but i love the snow to look at on television but you know or out the window or something i'm not going back there so okinawa was the perfect choice and of course okinawa being the island birthplace of the art that brings us together so i got here early to say the least okay i was early and there's there's an interesting uh expression that i kind of locked on to because people say what are you doing there you know I, you're not supposed to be there and i said you know it it may not be where i was headed but it is definitely where i have meant to be mm. and so i love it and, and i'm loving it and uh, it took us um, goodness it took us about a little bit more than a year to find uh, the house that i'm presently in here to buy this house and um uh, you know you can't see it through here, but it's a big, it's it, where it's a. And by the way, so Okinawa is, you know, in spite of it being this lovely, subtropical, uh, island resort of karate, uh, with some of the most fascinating uh, historical cultural um, um, uh, sightseeing in the world, you know, and it's been water sports and so on like this. It's also, and people have, you know learn this uh, as the, from the tourist point of view. It gets pretty cold here by the way. You know I, Now, cold to you, that's a it's a different story, you know. But I said I laugh when it's uh okay, you guys you guys are on Fahrenheit still or metric no, or Celsius. Celsius?
1: Yeah.
2: Okay so 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 it gets down <laughs> it gets down. It gets down to eleven or twelve here, you know. I know that's a summer's day, uh, back in back home, but I'm not going And it's funny, I, I mean eleven or twelve, I'm I'm outside with just a shirt pair of shorts on, but you gotta see the Okinawans. They're all bundled up, you know, in the jacket. It's very cold, isn't it? So so it, and, and but we also have a very a very uh, heavy typhoon season as well. And um, And we just really had a tail end of a bad one just a few days ago and so so anyway the point being is wooden houses and not a good idea to build because they after a few years they rot and uh, and certain types of metal will rust insidiously it's it's remarkable so we it took us a year and a half to find this big two-story really kind of a western style uh, concrete house know with the view down here the ocean and and uh, the type of metal that doesn't rust and fully air conditioned you know with with some japanese features to it as well that took that took a long time but this is it we got it i'm here to stay not going anywhere and people often say to me you know uh when i meet them on the street they say oh uh, where are you from in america and i go i'm not from america i don't want to say la you know i'm from i'm a i'm I'm an escapee from la (laughs) So uh, I, I use the term yeah she my I'm here till I die. So.
0: I'm so happy for you.
1: Yeah. So I remember happy. afterwards we were talking. I can't remember who we were talking to. Sue. So it might have been, it might have been Mario. It could
0: well have been. Yeah. But I
1: remember. I remember whoever it was saying, "Oh, yeah, Patrick's back in Okinawa now." And I remember saying that that just seems right that yes. that he's there. It just seems where he's supposed to be. Yeah. yeah it seems
0: it seems right and you do seem um i don't know somehow oh my gosh what's that
3: <laughs> it's showing us
0: something there it's a a figurine what is it patrick
2: yeah it's a little it's a little uh the, if they call they're shisa which is a kind of a kind of a cross between a, a lion and a and a dog and a mythical creature uh that who are serve as guardians here and in Okinawa, and uh, we, I met uh, uh, James Pank, which is my friend, you know James, from the yes. Dojo Bar Party, uh, uh, took me up a couple years ago to meet uh, a very famous uh, uh, ceramics uh, m- maker, I guess we call him sculptor, and uh, he lives up in Yomitan, and uh, he's, uh, um, he makes, you know, he makes all of these fabulous uh, ceramics, and a month that he also makes these little karate figurines, and so this is kind of a she with a karate gi on. And um, I first saw it over at uh, the karate store here, uh, um, Shredos, And uh, they wanted a ridiculous amount of money. Like they wanted like 50, 40 or $50 for it. And I went, huh. And interestingly enough, not long thereafter, I was in Yomitam at, uh, at his uh, kiln, if you will, the kiln, the commercial board of the kiln and being introduced to him, and he was very, very funny. He said, oh... I said, well... And I was looking at it, he goes, you like it? I said, yeah. Love. I said, how much is it? He goes, well, i give it to you. So it's actually... It, it's and it's actually uh, one of the ones that he made, and there's a little uh, imperfection on it, which is, I think, why they, they didn't sell it in the first place. So I'm really happy to say I have a one-of-a-kind, <laughs> and his name is Soma, Soma Sensei, and uh, who's also... He's also a Shorinryu Myobukan Miobukan Seventh Dan as well, by the way. Sorry, you just, I just made myself think of something here. Uh, you know, so I'd never been to his dojo, and, and we were up there uh, at a place called Murasaki Mura, which is uh, used to be called Rukyu Studio back in 1991. It was constructed, it, by the way, it, it's for the lack of a better description, it's a miniature version of... Uh, Shuri, uh, the castle capital of Shuri, as it would have looked hundreds of years ago. And they they built it exclusively to shoot a 42-part documentary drama, drama, dramatized uh, um, television series Back in 1992, called Rukyu no Kaze. It's where my friend Cesar Bukowski gets the name for his group, Rukyu no Kaze. It was the winds or the spirit of the Rukyu Kingdom, yeah. and, uh, and it's absolutely beautiful. And it, now it's now it's a tourist village. And so we were up there looking around, and um, and he said, "Oh, let's go to Yom, let's go visit Mr. Higa." I said, oh, "Great." He goes, "Yeah, yeah. You know he's a wonderful guy. And he loves you know habu. You know what habu habu shu is? Habu. That's the uh, Awamori liquor here." Uh, that has snakes—a snake in the bottle.
3: Yeah. Well,
2: like, you've heard of mescal with a worm in a bottle? <laughs> and, you know, you get drunk and you eat the worm. Here in the bottom of this bottle, you got a—you got a viper. You know, you got yeah, a. Yeah, I've seen that. That's crazy. I've a Abu <laughs> snake in there, man. It's just, I don't touch that stuff. But anyway, so and we go. up and he's got—he's got snake. He loves it. He'd, oh, would you like to meet my little friend? I said, Nah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, that's okay. But anyway, the, the, and I of course didn't know who he was. And a lovely guy, and very nice to us. And you know, and, and you know, there's a there's a wonderful expression here in Okinawan culture. It goes, "Ichariba chodi." Ichariba chodi. Ichariba chodi means means uh, uh, if we meet, even if only by chance or only for a moment, uh, we will be. Brothers or sisters or friends, uh, forever type of thing. It's a very very common. The Japanese have a similar term called uh, ichigo ichie. It's a, a koto waza, and it kind of means. It doesn't mean the same, but it means to embrace that particular moment as if it was. I don't want to say the last, but you know. look yeah. Well, i am got to die in 20 minutes so this last moment with you. is going to be the most important ever. And so they treat each moment like that. That's a very interesting, uh, anyway, so I'm looking around his dojo and, you know, and now he doesn't know me from a hole in the ground, you know, no way. I am. I'm just a friend of James's, you know, and James has been known for bringing a tourist, karate tourists up yeah. around that area, you know, to, for all kinds of different reasons. And, you know, you bring them into uh, some shop and they could buy some things, you know, and you know, so he doesn't know who I am. I just another karate tourist. He doesn't know that I'm living there or you know, all this type of stuff. Or or that I'm a karate person even. And then we start talking and I look up on the, you know, the showman area, the, the front part of the dojo and I see a photograph of a guy who I recognize. And I go, I know him. And he goes, whoa. How do you know him? I said, I went to China with him. He, he, and he, 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 he was, sorry, I went with him. He was in a group with me and several other Okinawans and Japanese about 30 plus years ago when we went to uh, Fujian, China uh, on a, you know, on a, on a martial uh, martial art uh, karate, kind of simp- research symposium so to speak. Mm. And he goes, What's your name? And I said, oh, my name is Patrick uh, in Japanese, you, you give the surname first and the first name last, you know. And you know, even though you and I would say, hey that's Patrick McCarthy. Um Japanese are have up, you know, some issues with uh, pronunciations of some, you know, T H sounds and stuff like that. So you know, uh, uh you're great, you're great, good, good. Gregory, that would be, her. and my name would be Patrick Makashi, which then of course to be backwards, which would be Makashi mm-hmm. Patrick. That's the other one, Makashi So I said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm Patrick McCarthy, and he goes, oh, and it didn't ring any bell. No Patrick McCarthy. Reminds me of a story back in the back in the '80s, when I first got to Japan. i have been to Japan for I don't know, a year or so. And I used to go up to uh, the odd time I go up to uh, I had a lot of shuriken friends there, and I go up to the Ebisu uh, around Ebisu around Gaijin Gulch uh, to the Heights and the J.K. Hombodojo up there <laughs> for Bloodbath Night on Fridays. You know, it was uh, they love sparring with the foreigners, and it was good, bro. Because I, you know, I was still I was still fighting with the uh, submission fighters and and you know the which was then called UWFI, later would become known as the Pride fighters. So so I liked the idea of. Still doing some tradition, right? And um, those guys were rough, rough bunch of guys back in those days. And I had some friends of mine coming from uh, from um, Canada, uh, Western Canada. They were gonna uh, coming. They were Shota Khan guys. And and I, talk, you know, this is all pre-internet days and uh, cell phones. And I said, we're talking about. And I said, look, when you get here, you know, when you check in the hotel, you get all settled in. You know, you're gonna go. You go see the, you know, go see the Forty Seven Ronins, blah, blah blah. Go see you know the Budokan. And, and so on and so forth. I said, but when you go up to the dojo, you've got to make sure because 'cause would never been there before, and they're not—they were not overly friendly of uh, stranger foreigners showing up without a, a letter of introduction or something. Yeah. I said, when you get there, you just make sure that you say uh, that you're friends with uh, me, and uh, if I'm—if I—if I'm, I can't meet you, just say you know, give me your card, say you're friends with me, and you'll have no problem doing it. Anyway, couldn't make it on the day that the first day they were going. <laughs> My telephone rang. <laughs> I got this. I got this. Kind of not an angry voice, but you know, like, You know, like, hey, who is this? And I went in Japanese. I said, What do you mean? You call me? Who are you? And he oh, goes, <laughs> oh, <coughs> This is, you know, this is Mr. Tanaka from the, uh, you know, from the uh, JK Dojo, and, and I went, Oh, geez. Sensei, eh, moku desu ke doma, makashi this and he goes, I, lost, I said, oh, sensei, sorry, I didn't recognize your voice, it's me, Patrick McCarthy, and he goes, oh, and he, oh, McCarthy, I, I didn't know it was you, I said, what's wrong, he goes, there's three strange foreigners here, they kept saying there were some friend of some guy named Pam McCarthy, and I have no idea who that guy is, and, and we're not going to let them in, I said, oh, since, that's my name. He goes, I thought your name was Makashi Patonika. I said, well, yeah, it is in, in Katakana. In Japanese, Katakana, that's my name. But I said, in English, the pronunciation is Patrick McCarthy. And he goes, and he goes oh, <laughs> oh, I just learned something cool. So, uh, that's nice. anyway, fa- fascinating place, that's wonderful right. culture. And uh, as I said, <laughs> this is one and uh i'm having the time of my life and you know just one last thing before we get started here uh, uh okay well, anyways let me just let me drag this up well i had this friend of mine drive drop by yesterday and give me these uh <laughs> looks like a cigar right but these are I was gonna say, yeah, yeah they're, they're they're what they call hand-loaded weapons you know a uh, tijiku they're therefore you know uh back in the day you know when, yeah. when metal were... anyway and he, he he made his son made a pair of those for me brought them over yesterday, but you know, I'm, I've been I've been, meaning to do all of this work on all these other projects, you know, and um, hey, there's the new, we finally, we, we finally got the real Itoso Anko uh, image, and it was, I don't know if you can see, you see up in the corner there, there's a really faded picture yeah. right here that we finally discovered that was him not the other one No, the Literally other one yeah. for 13 years. and then now through ai through oh, AI, that's
1: amazing
2: yeah isn't it isn't it is it, I, I, I gotta tell you this chat gpt has just been a life i I've, i
1: i was messing about with it the other day with with our curriculum just seeing what it
2: could come up with and it's quite brilliant oh. well so you gotta remember it, it the ChatGPT, which I live on, you know, and it used to take. When I did that translation of the Bubishki, I always kind of laugh, you know, because oh, his wife did that. Oh, his wife did that. <laughs> My wife, honest to God, she had so little to do with that. And she hates. She never does any translation projects. It's it's like a war between the two of us trying to get. You know, I would say things to sort of like, "What? What do you mean you don't understand it? Yeah. Is this not your?" Yes, but it, I don't. In those early years, you know, back in the '80s, I didn't realize how difficult this language really is, and especially the old script, especially the old script written from written from uh, from China. You know, I had no idea. Anyway, long story short is, I used and then I started using software after that. And but the point was, it took me months and months to do these projects. You know. And and the Babishi literally took years and years to do it. And thank God I got the help of some you know some Chinese and I went through China and all that type of stuff. And but so I started getting these softwares you know from around, maybe from around fifteen or twenty years ago, not not great ones you know. But and then every year they kind of improve improve and improve, improve you know. And then and then and then when they came up with this one a few years ago called Deep Deep L, whoa, oh, that was a big lifesaver because I could then. I used I used to use another um, another software uh, called Text Text Grabber, so I could kind of grab the text. I'd have to make I'd have to make a screenshot of it first. Yeah. I could grab the text off of it, so that I could have it wor- as working uh, ed- edit- editable. Is that a word? Ed- I just, yes. Okay, I made it up. That's so. a new word. <laughs> text that I could edit. Yeah. Uh, and then I could uh, and then I could drag and drop that into DeepL, and it would translate it into a pretty you know one of the problems with a translation software is is not so much the translation it's the interpretation yeah. and then the grammatical composition you know so anyway also, deep Bell was doing this wonderful job you know and then my my children uh, you know now they're now they're you know my daughters married and you know when the families came for uh, I came here for Christmas last year and uh, you know they was oh dad you're you're so hard to shop for I said, you don't know, that. just being here is okay. I don't, you know, you don't need to buy me a present. Anyway, they said, oh, we're good, because we didn't. <laughs> but this year we have something <laughs> really good. And and my son was the one who introduced me to Chat in in December. And I just remember saying, okay, thanks. It's AI. Okay. Good, 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 good. And uh, it wasn't until they left after Christmas, I started delving into it. And i got to tell you, oh, well, my the <laughs> the you know but anyway so it, it does have its own parameters though you know and you gotta remember will only do what you tell it to do yeah and if you ask it to make a curriculum it will definitely have no problem making a curriculum but you have to tell you have to be very very it's how you question it. yeah absolutely it's everything and as long as you're able to define what it is that you want you'll get it yeah and, uh, it's, it's quite impressive so, I just—I was just going to show you something uh, before we start the interview. <laughs> you know, it was like, don't ask him another question. We may not have any time <laughs> for the for the interview. You know, but I, I've got this. So you know, when I came here, and I got all these these book projects I have to update and add the Bubishi and Okinawa Ancient Martial Arts, Okinawa One and Two, and and uh, 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 Tom Penshu and all these updates I got to do with all these new discoveries. But I haven't got around to doing it yet. Because a few years ago, actually it was five years ago. My friend up in Tokyo, Joe Swift. Have you talked to Joe before? Yeah, we've talked yeah. to Joe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah good. Good. Anyway, so about so, so, well, five years ago, actually it was May, May of five years ago. Joe uh, let me in on a little secret. He'd uh, he'd uh, come into contact with a uh, with a um, a copy of, uh, not a copy, but but the, the news of a copy of a. A book written by a, a karate pioneer, which was never published, uh, about on on with a guy named Kian Chotoku. Mm. And I'm, "Oh, tell me more." And, well, there's such limited information available, then you know. Yeah. And then, you know, we knew it existed, there, there might have even been two. Maybe one was destroyed inadvertently, and the other one had laid dormant in the descendants of the person who had financed. Who was going to finance the project with Kian sensei okay. and also served as his uh partner uh, you know his uke in the in the photographs mm-hmm. but it never it just it never came to fruition I, and there's there's reasons that we're still not 100 percent sure why that didn't happen nonetheless you know I, I i had uh i had been very interested in it but never heard much more about it again and then when i moved here i uh, quite by accident over visiting uh a friend of mine, Hokama um, Tetsuhiro, and uh, we were talking about it, he goes, oh, it's right there. And I, and I went up and he moved a couple of things, a couple of wall hangings around, he said, there it is now. And it was a, it was a, a, a photocopy, poor, a poor quality photocopy of it uh, hanging on, on his pillar uh, behind where he sits down and writes. And I went, wow, that's fantastic. And he said, uh, he goes, look, he said, uh, you're welcome to take photos of you. I said, oh, yeah, no kidding, man. So I took he let me to take photos, and I was going to send these up to Joe. Hey, Joe, look what I, look what I have, you know. And um, the same evening that I was at Hokama Sensei's, I was meeting a uh, local foreign uh, national here, whose name is McGill Deleuze, uh, Deleuze. And he, he, in my opinion, is... is Probably, he would never admit to it, but I, I would say, safely speaking, he's probably got to be the most knowledgeable foreign karate-ka living in Okinawa. And he's been here like 30 years, mm. works with karate kai, He works for a different section of these karate-kaika. He's, he's just a really super smart guy. And and uh, uh, we're, having, we're having dinner that night, and I bring the issue up with him, and he goes... Oh, what a coincidence, uh, we're going to have an exhibition on it tomorrow at the Karate Kaka. and now I realize, oh, I, that's what Mr. Hokama was saying, he said, he said, there's going to be something at the Karate Kaka. I didn't know what he meant, I thought, they have some pictures or something in the museum, I go to the Karate Kaka the next day, and, and there it is, they're on, they're on like a sandwich boards, um, yeah. In the hallway, actually, not even in the museum, just out in the hallway. As you walk in the second building of the Caracal on the way down to the museum and the cafeteria, and uh, so I, I took more photos, and I, I uh, came back and I sent those up to my friends, and I sent them over to Andy Kwask. and guys. Everybody was very fascinated. So now things start moving very quickly, and you know me, I'm. You know, when I jump in a rabbit hole, man, I, 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 I traverse the whole thing. You know. And then I come into contact with uh, Mr. Takishi, a friend of mine over in Genoa, who's got the, uh, the old bookstore. And over the years, of coming back and forth Okinawa. We always go over and spend a ridiculous amount of money over there, you know, to buy these, to, you know, to buy these these types of books I got in the background. You know, oh, sometimes you get first editions, or if not, you can get replicas and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm talking to him about it. I go, oh, yeah, you know, what? yeah. And he he goes, oh really, oh. I mean, and, and of course, we knew each other for many years, and he knows my late teacher Kinjo Hiroshi, and you know Kinjo Sensei was a, a historical authority, publishing many books. And he goes, oh, Patrick, do you have any any signed copies of Sensei's book you might be willing to part with?" And I went, "And I went, yeah, no, no. I mean, I do, but I'm not willing to part with them, you know." And he goes, "Oh, that's too bad." I go, "Why is that?" He goes, "Well, I might have something you're interested in." And I went, "Really?" And the first thing he said was. Have you seen uh, Mabuni Kimba's book on Kururumfa? And I went, um, you know, Mabuni was very prolific, by the way. And, you know, together with other guys like Nakasone, so there's really a, I mean, there's a prolific amount of work by Mabuni. And, uh, well, I mean, Mario's, (laughs) the last 20 years of his life have been dedicated to translating some of these books, you know, and thank God he's doing it, you know. And, uh, he goes, I said, no, nah, he, nah, he didn't do a book on uh, Kurunfa. He goes, oh, really? And he goes like, that, you know, he, he kind of goes like this. He goes, he goes. And I went, what, what's that in your hand? I had nothing. You know, he's, he's, he's uh, teasing me like this, you know. And I said, give me see that book. It's a book with Mabuni Kanwa doing Kurununfa in it. But it's a book that's it's, it's not finished. As you open up the page to look at the photos, not all the photos are there. You know, Texas. I said, he goes, he goes. It's a work that was never finished by him. I have an unfinished work by Mabuni Kenma on Kuru. And I went, like, I want it. <laughs> he goes, no, you can't have it, said, And he, and I go, okay, come on. I said, well, maybe I do have some things by Mr. Kenjo. He goes, ah, now we're talking. And and as we're as he you know and, and, and that, you know and I, I yank a couple of goodies out of the bag from. He gives me the book, allows me to take photographs of it. He starts waving this other thing in the background. And hang on just for a second. I'm sorry. That's what I was just looking for. I thought it was on my desk. Just give me one second. I want to mm-hmm. wave, wave in front of you. Ah, here it is. I, just, I had some people over here yesterday, you know. Uh, the guy who gave me the uh, these. Uh, who's Another high-ranking guy. So... You know, he's in the background waving this, you know, waving this book around like this, you know. And I'm going, so, you know, I don't recognize it. Very difficult. You can see that it's very, very difficult to read. Of course, yeah. you can't but, I mean, even for me, uh, I have a very hard time. you got to really kind of squint to see it says, ah, Okinawa Kempo. Ah, um, karate do uh, and karate being the Chinese way of writing like to to do. Um, Illustrations on kumite is is what it's and it's it's handwritten. You know, I said, "Whoa, I never saw that before." And then, and look, I won't bother with all the other texts because the other texts. uh, Interesting though is the it's uh, it's been it's like an accordion style book, Mm. which are called accordion style books. (laughs) Uh, back that were done popularized back in the twenties, and so this is all hand. It's all handwriting, very difficult. Uh, so so I, I I kind of and there's like ten pages. So I just I just ignored that first part. I said oh you know that that will need to be text grabbed, uh, yeah. uh, transliterated, and then and then and then and then uh, translate it so to speak. But we got we got the one page. We got the we got the this page at at, at the end of the text. And I went. This is the guy's signature. And I went, wait, hey, I know the signature. That's the signature of Kian Chotoku. And right away I went, ooh, ooh, And so then the first book in the in the text, you see, that's Kian Chotoku. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then you know like, and then and then here he is, Kiki Namakiwara. You know and uh, and 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 uh, you know here he is, uh, uh, you know doing his two-person drills from uh, uh from uh, chinto and 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 here he is you know grabbing a guy's crockies from behind you know and a, on the bear hug and i'm like as I, and as i'm looking through this i'm going yeah, these look so much like motobuchoki's two-person drills you know i would now learn that motobuchoki and kianchoto were blood related yeah uh and, and they were both born in the same year. They're both basically from the same area and from and from an aristocratic family. And they died like a year apart from each other type of thing. And they all had the same teachers, albeit at different times. Yeah. And there's stories of them, oral, you know, uh, oral oral stories about them hanging out down in the brothels and gambling and all the fun stuff that no karate people ever did, you know, back in the day. <laughs> so, so I, I I can't tell you exactly the deal I made to get this book, but it was, it was there was a heavy cost. There was a heavy cost of. I mean, if you were in, you know, I mean, no money was, no no money transferred hands. But but you know, money comes in different ways. I mean,
1: yeah.
2: some, of the, some of those first uh, gen, first edition signed copies of, Kinjo. Kinjo senses books, they'll command a pretty decent price. Yeah. I had one guy offer me. Much much. Ah, Kylie, Dadima Chokka. I the podcast out of this Sorry, my, the boss just came home. So. But anyway, so that so, so I just stopped everything. And I just got wound up on this. And it has been such an incredible learning curve uh these last how many ever years have been on this now. And um, I keep saying oh, I'm but close away from finishing. But it kind of reminds me of when I one of the first houses I ever bought. I said, I'll do some renovations here, you know, renovations. <laughs> that's a dirty word, you know. When <laughs> one of the renovations going to finish? <laughs> never, you know. They never finish, you know. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I was I was finished last year, then I was finished last month. Then I was finished this week, you know, that type of thing. But I am very very close to getting it finished right now. And uh so I, anyway, <laughs> Let's start the interview. <laughs> <laughs> three hours. Hey, can I just one more thing? I, I did an interview with somebody just not so long ago. Uh, gosh, I didn't think it was. Uh, I'll, I'll remember who it is in a minute. Anyway, and, and again, it was a 90 minute. And no, so it was a 60 minute interview. And it went three and a half hours. I went, I went, <laughs> and then this guy came over uh, from a, a local uh, travel company here. Uh, he's, he's with a company called Let's Go Okinawa, and they interview foreign people living in Okinawa uh, in English, you know. And uh, and and if you go onto the, uh, they're like a TikTok group, right? If you want their side on TikTok, um, the interviews are like two minutes to five minutes, you know. Yeah. Mine comes in three parts. Each part's like forty-five minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you gotta you gotta be careful with McCarthy, man. Just say, okay, we're out of time limit. That's what's so <laughs> it. Say nothing else. <laughs> anyway, so so I uh, hang on. I made a I made a note of your questions.
0: Yeah, let's do them. Let's, oh, let's yes. get into these uh, questions.
2: Would it help if I answer them really quickly? <laughs> no, 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 so no, no.
0: Go for it, Greg.
2: Okay, so I, it's, here's what I wrote. You tell me if I'm wrong, right? You, first of all, you had three questions uh, with several sub uh, parts to it. Yeah. And the first one you said, but well, with the syllabus curriculum slash uh, structure being a big topic with our listeners mm-hmm. recently, I'd like to ask you about the KU system. And the question, the first question was, where did the idea of primarily, a primarily focused flow drill, drills, drills approach come from? Yeah. And the second part of the question was, was it something that you personally developed, or did you inherit it from a certain teacher? And then the third part of this question, of that the first question was, um, what do you find are the benefits of this approach? So um, it's okay. I can I can I'll talk. Yeah, to
1: absolutely. You. Yeah, let's yeah. dive into it.
2: Yeah. So so the first thing I wanted to say uh, about this, and I said I. I won't have to worry about writing notes down because this is all bread and butter stuff to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And the nice part about talking about stuff like this is it's stuff that, um, you know, I have a great memory. I shouldn't say that. I've been noticing recently I'm uh, Missing Dates People Places event. But as a, you know, they used to say, McCarthy's got a photographic memory. You know, he can remember dates. And, and, and I, how I used to do that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, built on this platform that I learned a very long time ago. And so, you know, you, if you know how, you know, this onkochi, Shin study the old and understand the new. If you know how something was uh, originated or how it, how it was born or, or why necessity created uh, the need for uh, this to be, uh, uh, to be created or born. You, and you kept up with it, you will know what forces affected the growth and direction, where it went to, how it served as a, uh, you know, a tool or a mechanism in a, in a kind of a catalytic-like uh, 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 motion to to give birth and growth to other related practices. Okay, so keeping that in my mind, the idea of uh, first of all flow drills came from cross training. So now, in retrospect, I can say, "Up, oh, no problem." Uh, these all came from uh, cross training, and they came from cross training in. American style martial arts, uh, and certainly classical tradition as well. Uh, you know, um, the, 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 the styles that uh, that come to my mind right off the top of my head here were uh, Tenshin Shoden Katori Senzuru. It's a form of uh, it's oldest school of uh, uh, samurai swordsmanship here in, in Japan. It, it, it has a, a large body of uh, highly functional two-person practices. Uh, certainly Callie and Arnis Di Mano, you know, uh, yeah. I learned under Remy Prez, uh, I have the pleasure and the honor of learning under Remy Prices and hosting him uh, in, at my dojo in Vancouver. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Wally J was my uh, jiu-jitsu instructor, godfather for my children as well. And, and uh, you know, so small circle jiu-jitsu uh, basically l- lived on flow drills, you know, was yeah. one way that they wove together uh, moving from one technique to another, by the way, you know, although a little different in, in the approach that we're particularly talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, and of course, you know, through Professor Walden, yeah, I came in contact with uh, a lot of the JKD guys, you know, Danny Inosanto. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that whole group of first-generation seniors under Bruce Lee, uh, who, I mean, you, you couldn't help but learn from these guys, you know, Taki Kimura, and, and, and of course... the. Uh, the, not just the percussive impact but also the grappling parts as well yeah. long before the grappling part became you know popular you know Lee was big on you know uh percussive impact uh you know uh boxing style and yeah and grappling and, and you know Muay Thai and that type of stuff right so 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 those drills you know the Muay Boran, the stuff from Southeast Asia you know Silat they became part and you know and I was doing these as a kid as well so the, mm-hmm. these were nothing new to me but at, in those days they were something completely different. That was not part of karate, and that yeah. was something completely different. You know? And even Professor Jay's stuff, you know, was a, a very dear friend as well. I mean, I never thought of that as karate, by the way. That was, that was, and in fact, even, I wasn't even thinking of it as jiu-jitsu in those days because Professor Jay himself, who had been heavily discriminated against by in the Japanese uh, Judo community, hmm. um, had modified a lot of his old you know, uh, stuff that came from you know his teacher back in, in Hawaii, yeah. and he'd tighten up circles and modified practices to uh, get a bigger bang, you know, with a with a smaller movement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, so they, they 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 were all very important to me. And 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 I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong, because karate has always had what we refer to as renzoku geiko. Renzoku geiko is the Japanese way to say. continuous practice or slash low drill but the problem there and not just then, but also even now i see is that they're they're so overly ritualized that they become they have become wholly dysfunctional yeah from a pragmatic point of view what so so let me just clarify that so maybe a listener who's not up to uh, date on, you know what I'm referring to. And one of my big mistakes is I assume everybody knows what I'm talking about, and I've learned the hard way many times that it's not the case. That's not a tap on my shoulder, by the way, or a slight to anybody else. But what I take for granted is often a mystery to other people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So the point being is this: is you know, you know, karate is a is a wonderful uh, uh, cultural recreation. You know, its cultural heritage has been handed down for many generations. And you know, karate is also a big industry these days as well. Karate tourism, you know, and so you know, many people take great pleasure coming here to the island birthplaces of karate, and embracing karate as a cultural recreation, you know, or 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 as a competitive sport, you know, highly challenging, rule-bound uh, competitive sport, and and you know, and it's a it's a wonderful form of physical fitness and an alternative to. Uh, all kinds of interesting things but I'm only referring to it as and which I think your question was leaning toward was its ability to for self-protection
3: mm-hmm.
2: and which was the cradle from which this concept grew in the first place and you cannot use overly <laughs> ritualized wholly dysfunctional practices to address the chaotic violent uh catastrophic behavior that goes on in uh, physical violence it, yeah. it just it's 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 um it's in, it's incongruous it, it just doesn't fit you know it's i don't know it's it's like uh, uh a guy uh, um uh, doing uh heavy bench presses and squats uh training to be a sprinter you know I probably screwed that up somehow. But the point being is that might be better off for a power lifter. Yeah. He's not training like a sprinter. Great training. You're going to get healthy, but they don't go together. You know, one does not support the growth of the other one. So, um, I love the term and I, I developed this term myself. If someone else has used it, I missed it over the last more than three decades. I use the term catalytic like practices so that the two-person engagement scenario driven engagement drills that I would ultimately end up with were catalytic like practices that what I mean by that is the same way that you use a catalytic converter to create a greater use Mm -hmm. of an existing engine is the purpose is to allow you to grow out from the practice and be the recipient or become empowered by things that might not necessarily have been meant originally to, to cultivate or nurture. Yeah. So the second part of your question was, you know, uh, was it something that I personally developed or did I inherit it from my other teacher? Okay, so so back in the day, you could never say, oh. I want to show you something that I made up last week. <laughs> if you're Bruce Lee, you could do that, or Chuck Norris, yeah. or somebody. But you know, um, being me in the in the you know the the corridor of, irrespective of how progressive the classical tradition my practice was, uh, looking at it through a comprehensive uh, uh, lens was not a welcome thing in a very uh, uh, conformance-based practice, you know. Mm. So I would never say, oh, I'm, uh, I'm learning sticky hands, or, uh, oh, uh, you know, I'm doing some white uh you know, uh, two-person drill. I wouldn't say that. I would say, oh, I'm, I'm cross-training, or something like this, or, or I, here's a drill from another practice. And I would never say I developed it myself, because, in, especially now in retrospect, looking backwards, I can clearly say, I haven't developed a single thing, zero, because oh, sorry, sorry, that hadn't already existed somewhere else. Yeah. maybe it was forgotten, maybe it was lost in the sands of time. Uh, perhaps it was, uh, it had, uh, uh, had been reinterpreted many times. You know, uh, and so of course, when I first learned those, things, I went, wow, this is great. You know. And then, you know, and if you know, that's like that, we use that term shuhari, you know, the three uh, transitions of learning.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, from a pedagogical point, you know, you learn from tradition, you, you break the chains of tradition, and then you transcend the tradition. But it's like my, my little love affair with uh, Thomas Stearns Eliot's uh, 1946 work, Little Gilding, you know, uh, we'll never cease from exploration, but at the end, we arrive back where we started only to know it for the very first time. And I think this idea of this upward spiral of uh, learning is every time you enter into a transitional phase, uh, you come out the other end uh, with so many other I's dotted and T's crossed that you've made so many other uh, connections with other things that you grow exponentially, you see. And... And but it's it's like you just never get to the top of that ladder because the learning curve is infinite. Hence the koto waza uh, Hence the uh, uh, proverb, kudo uh, mugen. There's you know, learning is infinite. The pathway of learning is infinite. So yeah. so, so I, I can't take responsibility for having developed anything. But I'm going to come back lest I make lest I make a sound hypocritical here in a minute. But. So guys like Rami Phrases, Wally J, Ed Parker, Danny Inosano, Bill Wallace, uh, Sugino Yoshio, Sayama Satoru, Takara Novo Hiko, all of these guys and many more um, serve to influence the direction in which I looked, uh, the practices that attracted my attention, and, uh, and ultimately there would be this... Um, I don't want to say unconscious because you know I was very conscious of wanting to learn those and being attracted to that method, those practices, but I always knew it was separate from it was separate from was not karate. This yeah. is something. So I was still hanging on to you know it's got to be Japanese or maybe it's Okinawan you know and and so the more I traveled and then of course living here. Uh, for a decade, open up and again. It opened up many doors, but many doors of disappointment as well. I always say, you know, um, you know, just because you uh, enter into a dojo doesn't always mean that you will become the recipient or empowered by what's being taught there. You know, I think that uh, uh, you know the, the the dojo is is a place where where art and science is uh, creatively fused uh, to create a transformative like pathway depends on who's doing the mentoring, coach sensei, sifu, sabum, friend you know, whoever's mentoring you has a large uh, responsibility on their shoulders and I think not necessarily to um, show you what, what to learn but maybe more to guide you in a way of uh, suggesting, su- suggesting, suggesting how to learn or what to look at and yeah. determine whether that uh, is beneficial to aiding you in the direction in which you are heading. Because a lot of times you go down, as I said, rabbit holes or or streets or pathways or uh, you know uh, tributaries uh, that don't lead anywhere. You know, and you say, ah, I wasted a month, or and then you try to look at that and say, how can I turn that negative into a positive? What you know? I mean, so, so I say, what are the benefits? of that approach. And how did, how did, how did all of this, how was this, how, how did I create the synergy to bring it all together? What was the creative fusion there that allowed me to see the walls of this, you know, very inflexible uh, uh, way of looking at things dissolve? And I, I can't, I can't put a date on that, you know, it's, it's like, it's like this shohari learning process, you know, mm-hmm. coming back to that for a minute, it's like, if I just step outside of karate for a moment, but maintain the principles of the learning, the three phases of learning, uh, and I say, I always usually direct this uh, uh, comment to uh, students or learners of mine who are parents, and I'll say, you know, when you're, when you're you know, when you're a child, you know daughter or son was at the point where they said why not? give me a bicycle you know and uh, you know did you run out and buy them a 10 speed and then shoot them down a the hill on it or something or you know was there were there some extra considerations there that you <laughs> said you know well, hey hey, I, I, I was brought up in the 50s you know i'm like i'm in 70 you know i was brought you know uh, you gotta remember I, I, born in born in the 50s i didn't have handle, you know uh helmets and elbow pads and training wheels and my mom going, patrick it'll be okay now you know it really was get you on the bike and shoot you down type to everything or throw you <laughs> in a lake and hope you can swim to everything you know so times have changed significantly but and one of the reasons why you know we, these days we have we have all these guidelines uh, you know um and workplace training uh safety uh guidelines is because we don't want our children to be hurt And so we, we put the little training wheels on the, um, or we use a tricycle and, you know, a helmet and, 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 you know, we, we hold our daughter's hand and let them go. And you can't, I can't tell you how long it's going to be before, you know, Johnny or Billy is uh, able to ride the bicycle. You know, it it could be, it could be a, a a day. It could be a a week. It could be a month. It might maybe be, might be never. So, so because everything is so individually based. Hence my term, you know, I'm famous for saying is, not everybody learns the same thing the same way to achieve the same outcomes. And a, uh, a larger take on that, or a deeper understanding of the same thing is, even you will not continue to do the same thing the same way to achieve the same outcome across the spectrum of your life, because of the dynamics of age and, and uh, and what it does to our body. Here he is, a uh, nineteen years old uh, uh, champion of the world. <laughs> Here he is at seventy-five, uh, just going back down to the clinic again to get those arthritic knees looked at. You know, so so there are a lot. Of, well, there's, I mean, and so and those. But I mean, but but but. And we're talking about these flow drills. The act of physical violence, by which our methods. Will become uh, a process or pathway process to learn and serve as a contextual. They never change. I mean, a two-handed, one-handed, whatever you want, manual strangulation of me sitting on W and strangling you to death. They never, that never changes. And even though it's one of the most simple um, uh, techniques to escape encounter, (laughs) you'd be amazed at uh, looking at the you know homicide reports that I've looked at. uh, How many people get uh, killed by this? And not just recently but across the spectrum of recorded uh, law enforcement um so, or, or forensic reports so it's interesting so the that's why i'm so big on the contextual premise has to example what happens in real life and and at the same time um and for the same reason you don't throw the kid on the bicycle and shoot him down the hill so too in physical violence must you recreate a safe learning environment or you're going to get people get hurt right away. And and by the way, there are a lot of schools around that are like that that don't know about lesson planning or, you know, everybody gets the same. You know, one 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 method fits all type of thing. And, and um, mm-hmm. so we've already talked about this in the past, about, you know, my experience in writing an undergraduate program and how I came into contact with the pedagogical aspects of this and why I know this now. So anyway, coming back to finish this three-part first question is in order to uh, reap the values of these two-person reenactment, scenario-driven flow drills, you have to follow that pathway. You know, the act of violence, passive resistance, and gradual ascent in a methodical, systemic fashion to aggressive resistance uh, mm-hmm. intermittently, intermittently, you know, um, uh, or in some cases, it's haphazardly. Some people get it right away, by the way. It's, it's like I say, the Johnny can jump on a bike and two seconds later he's complaining about the training wheels. That also happens in, in what we do here as well. There's lots of, I've seen, that, you know, your typical alpha, uh, the, you know, your, your beta doesn't do that. Uh, the sigmas, they're, a different story altogether, you know, um, and 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 so different character, different personalities, uh, types uh, absorb information, and I don't just mean pedagogically and listening, looking, and and uh, and uh, uh, the kinetic part, doing part, you know, that that's very important, of course, and of course the teaching part as well. Uh, you teach the same thing to different people all the time. Uh, it helps crystallize your understanding of it. And, uh, and also expand your ability to impart it depending on who's learning, you see? And so the, this, you know, I refer, I refer to this approach, this two-person approach as a pathway because it allows the learner to come into contact with the acts of physical violence that are habitual in human nature to understand uh, their fundamental dynamics and the pathway process with which to learn how to deal with them. So that two-person drill is scenario-based driven, and but it's a it's a it's what I call a capture-style drill. So empty-handed, one against one, yeah. and I don't mean stand back and duke it That's another. That's a whole different animal altogether. Yeah. You know, when there's space in between people, run. And and you want real self-defense? Buy a gun. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, I have all kinds of friends, you know, who who uh, who, who come back from, you know, who work in law enforcement, military, uh, uh, special ops. You know, you, I, I myself work in Israel with the special forces there, and and uh, and, and I can tell you that self defending yourself against your 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 life is being threatened. Just take the gun out and shoot the person. You I can't remember. Handle,
3: um
1: did you, you know the, the magicians pen and teller yeah they uh they did a series years ago um where they did an episode called martial arts is bullshit and the at the end of the episode was basically that they go they, they go through all these different self-defense things and they go real self-defense buy this and they pull out a gun and that was the
2: end of the episode so was... so just just on that just on that topic for a second i've still a little bit more to say about this uh this first question but uh, just to to uh crystallize what i meant what i mean to say for people who aren't listening and hopefully if there's not anybody listening to it um so so everybody talks about you know kata this and karate that and kung fu and all this type of stuff and you know it's either house secret uh, I, i'm i'm gonna think the color green i got the tip of my toe on my foot, on the tip of my tongue on my roof i'm, I'm thinking pink and i'm gonna touch gallbladder 16 million and four <laughs> and you're going to drop dead and, and and i can only bring you back with the antidote if you pay the money you know and uh, silly people run out to seminars and pay all kinds of crazy money for this and, yeah and uh I just you know i mean i just i think you know and you know the the, the truth is that physical violence you know empty-handed physical violence is uh and, and I'm, again i'm not talking about the street fight or which, which are all, also don't get me wrong terribly violent totally yeah. unpredictable and all that. But you know, I'm just saying that if you have a ch- if you have the luxury of facing an opponent who's either calling you on angry on high, you know, running at you to stab you, Jesus, run away! You know, get the hell out of Dodge. I mean, it's I it, mean, it, for, forget the the law ramifications for lawyers in the courtroom another time. I mean, just get your ass out of there. You know, live to fight another day. Type mm-hmm. of thing. So the t- the two areas are percussive impact. You know, being struck. Uh, and pick your weapon, fist, elbow, head, butt, bite, whatever, whatever, you know, forces, mass times acceleration, so, you know, maybe talk to, uh, I, uh, I'm doing Isaac Newton rule, okay, so, so you, you know, you, you need to study that type of stuff and understand how to generate force, and if you're going to hit somebody with a particular uh, tool, uh, you know, like your fist finger, you know, I mean, I'm not going to take my finger and whack you in the forehead with it, you know, uh, that's uh, incongruous and r- ridiculous, but I might take my baby finger and stick it in your eye socket, you know, or I might elbow your, your jaw, you know, and so there's corresponding targets for the best types of tools. And then, of course, everything else is about, about muscular, the mechanics are behind muscular contraction. Muscle only has one function, uh, to contract. And so uh, so whether I, and when I grab you, or I am grabbed, it deals on those particular dynamics. So whether I, you know, whether I'm grabbing you with my fingers, my hands, my arms, my legs, like a triangle choke, uh, uh, or a body hug, or a body triangle, or something, or my teeth. Uh, the the idea of muscular contracts all works the same way. So you need to understand about uh, leverage. You know three categories of leverage. Uh, you know the fixed axle and wheel. The you know uh, uh, the, uh, pulley ax, uh, the pulley axle. The pulley wedge. Uh, you know the, these are the ancient uh, tools that built. You know the, the pyramids and stuff like that. That's the focus of attention. And so, and so um, that idea of looking at. Um, The mechanics behind the application practices are at the forefront of why we need to take this theoretical approach to a practice if we want it to be wholly functional. So, recreating acts of violence uh, in this methodical pathway process, adding aggressive resistance to it. Until until each of the acts of physical violence themselves become second nature to you, and then the mechanism to bring you know two partners together, so that they can cross hands, so to speak, you know that's what tegumi represents. That's what uh, 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 that's what uh, this um, uh, this this old style structure of bringing two people together here in Okinawa and China and in other places back during the day was so important because it served as a mechanism that unpredictability and, uh, you know, I hadn't planned this first, becomes the uh, out-of-the-box, out-of-your-comfort-zone, uh, a catalytic-like mechanism. I mean, oh, shit, that didn't work. <laughs> I failed there again, for God's sakes. And that, that in itself uh, that becomes the, the so-called lesson. But the, the point I'm gonna, I wanted to make right here is that is studying this historical thing is so valuable to us because what a lot of people you know, they look at Cotton they look at Styles and everybody and his brother's got a, you know, a version of the history of how it, why it works and so on. But what they don't get is the stuff that's just so bloody simple is around the time uh here in Asia, you know, uh, Middle Kingdom, Southeast Asia, and all of the tributary colonies. I mean, China was running the show for, for, you know, many millennium, millennium in this part of the world, and you know, so Korea and Southeast Asia uh, cultures, and uh, you know, uh, Okinawan, and, and even Japan up until about the eighth century or so, were kind of tri- not necessarily tributary colonies. Japan was not a tributary colony, but it had been. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a group of uh, uh, um, I don't want to call them explorers, but I guess that's what they were doing. Called the uh, kentoshi who traveled from the sixth to the ninth century to the middle kingdom to learn you know to learn language uh finance uh, uh industry uh, uh military uh, spiritual beliefs to bring it back to base uh, to create the basis of their japanese culture by the way and so if you follow this history along you'll see that the you know the fighting arts and then swords and spears and warfare and oh, summed up in this you know in the uh in, in the, uh, uh, the uh, 1620 publication of the Wu Bei Ji, you know the Chinese Bubishi, 240 chapter document written by uh, Mao Yuan Yi, uh, which the, the, and the part that we're most concerned with is a 1561 uh, investiture of uh, the Qi Xiao Xian which is a you know 32 uh, chapter document written by uh, uh, my apologies, but by Chi Chi Guang. Um, so that's, that's very important. And and all warfare, there were no guns. Nobody had any guns, you know, so everything was, uh, you know, troop deployment, uh, yeah. battlefield stuff, you know, the one-on-one stuff was, you know, mostly about duels and things like that, you know, unless you were unless you were robbed on the highway and things like that. And how are you going to defend yourself against a sword or three guys? It, it just weren't, you know. So it was really, the idea of defending yourself with your empty hand was very, very limited uh, corridor uh, possibility, by the way. Yeah. So now you get up into around the uh, mid 1800s, and you get the large movement through the Silk Road and the Dutch East Indies Trading Company uh, that are coming into China and ex- exploiting heavily, exploiting natural resources and you know and gems and semi-precious stones and and silk and uh, and uh, 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 you know, silk, silkworms and, and of course, opium, opium, and, and, and this, this, and the, the Manchu, uh, government was completely corrupt and, and largely dysfunctional as well, and so, uh, and, and by this time, firearms are becoming extant, although the firearms were not the type that we know today, largely black powder, uh, low velocity, muzzle velocities were not supersonic speeds at that time, you know, and, and uh at least for the chinese versions you know and uh, and they've been using explosives and fireworks for you know for generations type of thing right but now now you have foreigners in the countries using you know winchesters and and colts and and high velocity uh projectiles and and so back in the day where you know they some of the some of the they call them boxers the warriors right? you know could could tie off their or you know their major arteries with rope and or hemp, or something like that, and then you know put their body shields on, and helmets, and and, and and go into warfare, and you know that might be good enough to stop a slow-moving projectile, you know, yeah. uh, you know moving at several hundred feet a second, as opposed to you know, let's say a high-velocity projectile, you know, and now now it just could not, and and from around the Boxer, uh, from around the uh, Opium Wars of 1840 through until through and beyond the Boxer's Rebellion in 1900. Um, and firearms became popular and and prolific, particularly among civilians. And so this whole long, never addressed, by the way, in historical martial art uh, conversations is this simple part, uh, you know, is, a, you think about it for a minute, the reputation of boxers in that day, especially in the late Manchu part, um, before the Boxer Rebellion, you know, you had guys who were former uh, soldiers, you know, uh, form little miniature brigades of their, you know, marauding, marauding bandits, if you will, who just travel through the countryside, you know, pillaging or or, 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 or coming up along wealthy villages and serving as the, uh, the the law enforcement there, you know, or the, or, you know, we, we'll protect you against the, the marauders. Oh my God, who are the marauders? <laughs> well, it's us, really, but you won't know that, you know. Yeah, and so, and so uh, you know, and they would often would go into a little village and Remember, nobody traveled much in those days, right? Yeah. You needed special licenses from the government to travel outside where you live, you know. So so the, the, the point here being, if a foreigner came in from outside uh, your area and they were storytellers or they were, hey, hey, everybody gather around. I've got the magic elixir. That makes the blind see the the deaf hear and the lame walk. And, and well, why are you looking at the blind people? I'm blind. Oh look! There's a blind. Nobody ever thinks. Who's that person? We've never seen them before. But hey, yeah, come on up. And they drink the elixir, oh, 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 oh. and then they go through a few fancy rooms. Oh my God! I can see. You know, and and they. Go, oh, and everybody, you know, gives a silver coin or a gold coin to buy that. And you know, it's just you know there was. A, and they would also do martial art demonstrations. You know, katas and sword katas and. Steel chains and three sectional staffs, and break ceramic uh, jars with a chop, lay on boards of nails, uh, uh, you spe- squeeze spears on the throat, all kinds of the tricks, you know, the, the so called martial art tricks. Your layman sitting on the going, "Would would go, Oh my God. He, he, that guy's superhuman. How did... Yes, I, I learned how to do that by practicing the secret monkey steals the beach style. Oh, really? Could I learn that? Yes, you could, but it, it would cost money. You know? And they throw coins on the stage, you know, for the demonstration. The more demonstrations, the more coins. The more demonstrations, the more influence. The more influence, the more possibilities of, of becoming a martial art master in the village opening in the school. You know, people overlook that whole thing, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm going to teach tonight for a gold coin, you know, especially if you're like the mayor's son or something, I'm going to, I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to teach you the silver dragon mounts the emerald turtle in the dragon forest style. Oh my God! And if you, by the way, if you, learn, by the time you finish learning this, you will be able to kill people with just a glance. Oh my! I'm learning that style, and if, you know they'd be gone a year later or so. You know, <clears throat> hence the need for more katas. And katas didn't even need to mean anything. Just give me a few fancy moves, and yeah. and say it was secret, or you know, the guy learned it up in a mountain, and so all of this mythology starts surrounding it, and then people start getting shot with one bullet. Summed up with, a, you know, Harrison Ford sums sort up of best in in the in one of his movies. You know, he's racing through the village and. The big guy, giant guy starts swinging the, the saber, and he turns around and shoots him with a K-frame 38, you know, Smith and Wesson, and boom, the guy falls dead, and he goes, phew. And, and as funny as that is, and it, and it generates some wonderful laughter, it's actually spot on. And now now just think of that from, from, a, from a tactical, uh, strategic point of view. You've trained all your life in the secret Shaolin arts. You've mastered the ability to walk on water, walk through walls, and some kid with a smoke in his mouth, 15 years old, shoots you and you're dead. He's never had a lesson in his life. Let me tell you, that, that didn't take long for that to catch on. So why bother with the, you know, a lifetime of dedication? To, you gotta remember, this the whole thing of holistic. This and can you sense the? Can you sense the? Key. That, that, this is all. This is all new stuff. You know. This is all byproducts of you know, the the the, the, the addition of philosophical cultural activities type of thing. back in the day. This was a self-protection type of thing. You know, and and the fact that it had byproducts of you know, you know you trained every day. You you're super healthy. You know, and that nowhere was that more important. and and then a cultural and a societal issue with with uh uh, with no health insurance and you know (laughs) you had to be a healthy guys i mean living beyond 40 or something was old age uh, for many people you know
1: yeah
2: and so so the idea that that firearms can play so 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 from around the mid 1800s until around the early early turn of the century uh there was a large decline where the, this, this omnipotence of the so-called fighting arts fell quietly dormant, you know. Maybe if, if at all only practiced in secrecy or, or by families who had been, uh, who would understand the value of the fighting arts from, for a holistic and a, and, a, and a physical point of view. And in the event that they were attacked in, and they had the element of surprise I mean, keep in mind you know, the, the Japanese, for example, had never seen closed-fist fighting until 19. No, no, no. People who've traveled abroad, or uh, there's always the one percenters.
1: Yeah.
2: Japanese culture. Remember, this is the Roaring Twenties, and and the and the and and uh, the the if you if you stopped at the Roaring Twenties and went back to the Tom Cruise. Uh, movie uh, Last Samurai transition of dragging Japan out from the Chosu war, uh, you know, the Satsuma, uh, that war part of the South wanting to remain in the old ways, and and the Meiji government saying, money, drinks, dancing, we're going the other way, you know. And uh, if you think about, say, 50-year period of time, Uh, that Japan was dragged out from the dark ages of feudalism into becoming one of the most powerful nations on the planet. I mean in 1920, the Japanese Navy was the strongest in the world. They had two battleships called the Katori and the Kashima built by British and Americans. Uh, They were the largest battleships on the planet, for God's sake, you know. and, And had sailed to England, by the way, with the crown prince on it on the 6th of March 1921. Another story for another time. But the idea here is you've got all of these things in motion. And Japan is, is rapidly uh, consuming Western culture, uh, dance, uh, uh, industry, transportation, education, uh, uh, sports. Uh, you know, they were just taking... And, and, you know, that's the way that... Even to this day, the school uniforms kids wear are Prussian and russian based, uh, and, and French-based. A lot of the practice, a lot of the sports that we came from came from America and and the UK and places like that, you know, and uh, and so the point I want to say is this: is in, in 1921 March, uh, there was a boxing match in, in New Jersey, and uh, it, it uh, featured uh, George Carpenter, uh, a French Savate champion, who's also top ten rated boxer uh, named Georges Carpentier, and Jack Dempsey fought each other in New Jersey. And it was uh, Pathé Pacific filmed it from the blimp, by the way, was first time. It was and it was the why it was such a big fight was it was the first time that it drew a million dollar gate, first time in history. So it was a it was a big deal. I mean, and uh, and look it up. It's a it's a great uh, piece of historical device, by the way. But anyway, the, the video the, the film made its way to Tokyo in June of that year, and uh, and Japanese had never seen had never seen boxing before, and just the idea of closed fist percussive impact set in motion this trend that we need that. And a guy, I found this out through studying the works of Funakoshi Gichin by reading his first book at the latter part where he makes reference to this, you know, this, uh, this, this, uh, this article from last, from November of last year. So the book was published in 1922. I figured November of last year, had to be November 21. And by the way, Joe Swift helped me uh, locate that at the National Archive Digitals. I translated it a long time ago, and it was written by a guy named Sasaki Guy, where he talks about, oh, there's no need to, you know, uh, go to the. Uh, uh, Can you hear the music? Mm. It's the, it's it's living here. We get these messages, you know, and the interesting part. Right next door, the dog next door howls when he hears this. It's, can you hear <laughs> the dog? It's <laughs> a lovely. Bit. I love it. Sure I know what time it was uh, going all the time.
0: Anyway, so. your background going on there, right in the middle of the interview. That's oh
2: gorgeous. Wait exactly. a I, we should do the video of this actually. So. Anyway, look. So, so anyway, the point is that that Gogai uh, Go says we don't need uh, fistic uh, 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 fisticuffs from the states. We have it right here, and he describes why to the island kingdom to the south. There's a thing called karate, and that's how that's one of the reasons how karate got up on the mainland. And be interesting that Fungoshi was the guy who brought it up the following year. But anyway, so the idea that the idea for karate falling. Quietly dormant, or what was what was now called karate, back in those days, was there was a resurgence of it in 1894, 1895. There was a war here, and then of course you know the uh, the Japanese would uh, ultimately take Formosa. Sorry, Formosa, Taiwan. They would enter into war with the uh, Russians, uh, and then they would occupy Korea and China as well. So during this period of what we refer to as a uh, radical military escalation and nationalism. There was a lot of propaganda where uh, the uh, captains of industry in the Meiji period had uh, distorted spiritual beliefs and used it as propaganda uh, to um, uh, put uh, uh, put the uh, fighting arts into the school system, where they had they had got rid of them before because they were archaic. They were yeah. you know why fight World War Three? Oh, I'm sorry, why why fight World War One with feudal weapons? You know the guns are going to kill you, mm-hmm. but they found another reason to put it into the school system was because there was a German professor in Japan at the time, uh, who was also uh, he was a professor of med- medicine at uh, Tokyo University, and he also served as the um, uh, the uh, private physician of the uh, of the Taisho Emperor at the time, who was Hirohito's father, by the way, who who didn't last long, and he was a very sickly man. But the, but this German said to him at the time, he says, you know, he said, uh, I know you guys are going through a lot of growing pains. He said, you know, you might take this lesson from the, we Germans. He said, what we have done for a very long time is we put wrestling and swordsmanship uh, into our school system. And, uh, and in doing so, uh, we make our men, sorry, it's pre-discriminatory pre, uh, times, you know, um, uh, Victorian times, okay? And women stay home make babies, right? That was the whole thing, right? S- still very strong here in Japan, by the way. <laughs> you know, nothing ever changes, right? And so that idea uh, of putting wrestling and swordsmanship into the school system would produce the warriors of tomorrow. Remember what the Duke of Wellington said at the Battle of Waterloo. By the way, quoted by Itos Anko yeah. in his uh, Ten Commandments of October 1908, uh, our victory today was gained on the playgrounds of Eton. And so, so isn't it fascinating, then, that at that at that same time, not long thereafter, uh, Kano Jigoro, uh, an aristocrat, father of the International Olympic Committee, spoke a couple of languages, who actually died, <laughs> coming back from Canada, by the way, on a ship, um, would be, would, would take the 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 contextual premise of old school jiu-jitsu
3: modify
2: it and put it into the school system where it became a mandatory practice the same was done with kendo the idea of of reducing all the myriad of styles down into four basic techniques wrapping you up into a into a package and then letting you beat the heck out of each other became a a a catalytic like practice for building warrior spirit uh not to mention physical fitness and so they've got the there's your there's your wrestling and your swordsmanship and this is where he told so well, uncle jumped on the bandwagon and went i'm gonna do the same i will put okinawa on the map and i will i will drag out from the uh from the uh, uh, abyss of uh, secrecy these uh these chinese old chinese based practices called kata. i'll modify them into smaller practices put them in a the school system and presto not only will I get a financial stipend, oops, did I say that out loud, sorry. I will then help cultivate and foster uh, our value as Okinawa. And, and, so, and, and so that's what happened. And so you see, you see the decline of a once omnipotent practice, uh, forgotten in the sands of time. And then because of separate historical phenomenon, uh, to do with firearms and warfare and, and a culture rising up from the ashes to like a phoenix to re-grasp the principles of what the mechanics of what that uh, those catalytic like practices would uh, would uh, would afford and then put it back into the school system and uh, who who would know uh what the future had in store for that warrior culture uh where a they, they would then subsequently be defeated in World war II and yet the Japanese culture is so diametrically different to the, to Western general, uh, cultures, uh, that, um, uh, you really almost have to think diametrically different here to understand what's going on. And, um, and so in the post-war years, uh, trying to deal with the Japanese was such a difficult thing. And somebody said, you know, something, the fighting arts which we all find quite fascinating which we had stopped because it was the root of militarism the military mind we can also see there's another side to it and this other side serves as a um, uh, it, it's really a kind of a microcosm of the culture from which it comes a miniature representation of its social values and, and rituals and and, and 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 if we understand that we can understand more about the culture, and in learning more about the culture through these arts, we can learn more about ourselves. And hence the term, uh, art and science coming together to create this transformative, like magic. And that, and who would know? Then we, foreign people here in this culture, would just jump on this and go, "Wow, this is not just a pathway uh, between uh, uh, self-defense and physical fitness. It's a pathway between self." protection and self-perfection and ultimately the journey would be inward and that's where this this uh buddhist quote comes from uh popularized by several zen monks we're liking what brings us together into a pathway it depends how far down it you get before it becomes evident the destination is not the gold it's the journey and so anyway uh going back to the point about the uh, you know the uh, uh what do I find beneficial about this approach is that, you know, others, uh, you know, uh, karate is often taught like this, you know, you learn this and this and this and this and this, and then you get a, pla- a foundation platform. And then on top, and you you reward it, you get a biscuit or a yellow belt or something. <laughs> like that. And then, you know, then you get, you learn this and this and this and a couple more things and you get an orange belt. And, and as you go up this big foundation, you can are kind of learning less and less and less, but reward it more and more and more does that make sense to you that, that's, yeah 100 yeah that's, it's a, i call it a pyramid-based thing mm-hmm. and, and my uh particular uh insight and in, after uh, years of research here uh, led me to see just quite the very opposite for example which was the real way it started was you learned a conceptual practice an act of violence and then another act of violence and more and more and more and here's how you uh you engage to understand their uh, their to uh, their their uh, uh, platform, their dynamics, and from it, here's how you learn to embrace it, and here's the drill, and here's the back and forth, and here are the benefits of the back and forth. And once you get all the benefits of the back and forth, and you gain some functionality, you go to the next one, next one, next one. So just take that concept that I just referred to and multiply it across the spectrum of the 36 habitual acts of physical violence and the, and the many uh, variations on common theme until you get a countless Amount of drills, and then somebody said, "Well, oh, that's too many drills. I'm going to remember." it. Well, that's what this catalytic-like two-person practice comes together. It comes in two parts. Number one, and I'll just finish this off with this. Number one is is you got the short two, but you know, I mean, check trap and impact. You know, check trap and impact. So, so I get this back and forth, a or something like that. They use it now. So, I, he, he check, I, I check it, I, I trap, I, I bridge it, and then I strike back. And then the strike leads to a grapple, or a bite, or a tear, or throw, a takedown, and it's all over. Right? So, but i said well i'm not going to follow i'm not going to do the takedown i just want to do the reception and the entry that you enter i receive it and i want to just rehearse this a million times so that's what you get this flow directly, back and forth and once you've got that down and you've got it every way since thursday with as many different type of people big strong fast all that and you know maybe you don't get it 100 of the time but you get it 89 percent of the time that's that's functional enough okay then you know move on to another's and you always keep that practice. So now you get to the very long line of practices. How then? I can't remember them all. Ah, what did McCarthy develop? Thank you. Lest I sound like a hypocrite, here's what I developed. Other than other than discovering that, I never invented that. That already existed. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't see anybody else practicing it. Of course, it, bread and butter for the our knees that you can bottom. I didn't karate. I didn't see anybody practicing it. And I had all the guys, oh, McCarthy, he invented everything, everything. he knows everything. Okay, just show me where it existed. I'm I'm here. Just show me where, you know, come on, the internet's got all kinds of sources. Ask any of the readers, the listeners, to come back and tell me where it was. I'm not talking about a a karate dojo that had a a, a student from Aikido or a guy from Jiu-Jitsu who did a Siyanagi or, you know, a Sanderlock lock or... Every karate people have been doing that for since the beginning, you know. And I'm bringing something in from Aikido, you know, uh, sans kaku. You know, I'm talking about the systematized uh, 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 pathway approach to joint manipulation, limb entanglement, blood near deprivation, ground fighting, escapes, encounters, joint lock, pressure point, takedown, strangulation. That's what I'm talking about, and that's what I saw. uh, brought together into a systemic platform for learning and teaching and progressing through. And then, so that you wouldn't forget them, I said, okay, I check and trap and then I I hit him, but he's not unconscious. So I sneak in and I slide a lasso around his neck, a rear naked choke or something. I drag him down, I make him unconscious. Okay, good. Well, that—that that thats you know—that's a—that's a reception. That's because so that's a reception. That's a check trap. That's an impact. That's a grab. It's, maybe it's a headbutt. Maybe it's a balance. It's a lot of things at once. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to separate these individual practices, so I get uh, blood and air deprivation. Uh, sorry, chokes and strangles, and I'm going to wrap dozens of them together. <clears throat> excuse me, into a a a rehearsement drill that so so the purpose here is not to be able to learn them from the flow drill the flow drill culminates the 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 lessons the 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 weeks the months and the years of learning 50 60 separate practices and it's kind of a it's kind of a living encyclopedia or a living uh, mnemonic mechanism yeah. with which to reach into at any given time. Uh, I, I 12 chokes from the front with uh, bare hands and garment, uh, 12 from the back, uh, 12 uh, from on the ground. That's 36 chokes. I think that's enough, okay? Uh, the same with the joint, manip- uh, joint manipulation, limb entanglement, pressure points, escapes encounters, percussive impact, receiving. So, so I get these seven sets of drills that are hundreds and hundreds of techniques. And the guy says, oh! And I always laugh at my dish. I, oh my God! Nobody would ever do that. You know, I always laughing and I say, and I'm looking at the homicide report of physical violence uh, and, and matching beside the uh, uh, the um, forensic report. And I go, Jesus, what happened there? Well, you know, the guy was an ATM machine, you know, and he was putting his card, and his pal was with him and some guy come up, and they, they didn't take him serious, and the guy was going Are You a fucker, i you a fucker. And then it was a, a shove, up, pushed him to shove, and, and then all of a sudden, the guy banged one guy's head into the, the monitor of that, and he fell unconscious. And, and the other person was so frightened to death, they didn't know what to do. And, and the guy came out, and I smashed him 20 times, and then choked her to death. Okay, that was my point. Well, how do you deal with the choke in your style? Oh, we don't do that. The referee will break you up. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I have to make light of it because it's, it's, you know, on the one hand, it's so silly. And then everybody else. And today, you know, you know, what's the the thing today that there's that Russian quote about ambition, you know, today everybody's so ambitious and, you know, chat GPT you could find an answer for anything in in a second, you know. And I always love it when I see, I think, geez, I, I did a lot of, you know, footwork and Moving around to learn this stuff, you know, and today the guy's 19 years old. He knows everything. And I said, how did he learn that? You know, he goes, and he goes, oh, just a minute. What's your, GPT? What's your, oh, yeah? And the Russian quote goes something like this. I, we're not concerned with where he's going, but we know where his ego is taking him. It's his past that keeps changing, you know, and I see that all the time, you know, about the, now we get this, now we get this and so on. So the flow drills, very important, but in context. You can be said now I I have even seen people doing my flow drills, my, my the ones I systemed, and and I just sit back and I'm shaking my head, going, "Oh my God, terrible!" Because because now now they become so non-functional, you know. They're just doing. It. It's like you know what they're doing the push, the hand pushing, down. yeah, yes. They're like oh. That's not so. Good? Oh, did you feel the energy? I said, you know, something. You the the pushing the hand drill is meant to be a shove. You you're defending yourself against a shove. The reason why you're doing it slowly with energy is to feel the trajectory, get the sense of the, yeah. the adhesiveness, mm-hmm. and what? How do you turn your body, and how do you redirect the flow of energy, and what would you do if then you could you it, you to hit type of thing? You know? But all of a sudden, the flow becomes on the holistic feel of the energy over the functionality. And I just look back and I say it's funny, I, I don't think I'm that old. I am really old, but I mean, I don't think of myself as being very old, in my brain anyway. And, uh, but I'm watching this go by and say, this is where we were 30 years ago. We're kind of back at the Indian. And everybody goes, oh, this got of, I, I had a. we're talking about this book that I'm translating, right? I made a thing just the other day, and I made a couple comments on it. And this guy from this style, this Kan-based style, Wrote to me and he goes, that's wrong, and I went, why? He goes, because my teacher said so, and I went, is that right? He goes, and he goes, I'm Okinawan, and my teachers teach a with Kiana, and that's not the way. And I went, really? And so I wrote back to him in Japanese. Dates, name, people, places, that it's focusing on functionality to show him you're incorrect. Yeah. He de- he uh, deleted and blocked me. Wow. <laughs> So that became more important than the truth type of thing. And I see that, I see that all over the place. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I was a pioneer in the analysis of application of traditional culture. Thank you very much. I, I'm i going to tell people you said that, okay. I'm, 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 not, I'm not sure that that's true because I know we've all been looking forever type of thing. Um, but yeah, I see people who are stuck on the the so-called analyses uh, program and by the yeah. way just as, sorry yeah no okay. i was gonna oh, say good. that
1: there seems to be kind of two streams of of that now you've got the people who have done that and are practicing it like like your groups you know you've done the analysis it's time to practice it get on with it but i do still see a lot of just yeah analysis who, who's it said analysis paralysis i think i heard just stuck, stuck on endlessly
2: analyzing the same thing well you know look and i was i wasn't going to bring this part up until question number three okay but i'll 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 kind of introduce it here a little bit you know um whether we like it or not you know the since karate uh has become an olympic sport or recognized by an olympic sport and just just forget the politics whether it's going to be in the next one or not in the next one i'm sure it will be you know Maybe not the next one, It'll be the one after. And and as soon as I get the dynamics, the financial dyna- dynamics solidified, it'll be here to stay. You know. So, but it's become an inter- It's always been an industry. Okay. I always make a joke. It might have been the oldest industry, <clears throat> but then I I was out at the brothel district the other night and I realized it's not the oldest one. Okay, so <laughs> maybe the maybe they serve to protect the oldest one. I don't know, but you know the the point is this is <laughs> look at Sue. I got her going again. Sue, <laughs> so, Matt, it's too early in the morning. Come on. So imagine, imagine that, like anything, okay, I just, again, I'm going to go on, on this other pathway. You can edit it all at a moment, but I just think it's so valuable, and I think that a lot of people don't get it. You know, when I, you know, some years ago, I came up with this uh, uh, idea, and, I, and then I built a supposition, and then I, I sought to cooperate with historical fact, and, and so on and so forth. All my detractors laughed at me, and it's funny how they're all grabbing it now, but you know, back then it was, I, I was a joke, and you know, and they're all being, they're all tapping themselves on the back for congratulating themselves now for, for uh, what they were criticizing me for back in the day, right? But, you know, it was like, I said, yeah, Muay Thai, Muay Thai is what, so here in Okinawa, you know, you, they always say, well, we have this, uh, we have this indigenous art. No, we didn't. Everything that came to Okinawa came from somewhere else, you know, and, um, and, and uh, it just, you know, well, uh, well, we go back 50 million. Okay, okay, come on, you know, we're going back to recorded history type of thing. You know, um, kata uh, is a product of uh, Chinese, cult, uh, Chinese Chinese finance culture. There's no question about it. You know. mm-hmm. uh, and and what they refer to as T or K uh, D, but, you know uh, George Kerr. Uh, I love I love George Kerr's, uh, you know his uh, his work here. You know uh, this one here, uh, Okinawa, Okinawa people, George Kerr. Here's what I like about it. There's one page. of was where's karate from? Siam. <laughs> I love it. It's a, a plebeian poly, art. A striking art from Siam. Well, Siam is now called Thailand. Yeah. But back in the day, they had what they call Siamese boxing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I built up the thing. I said so. So, I said you know that's just closing your fist and drilling the guy, or you're too close to the, you elbow the guy, or you're, you're you head about the guy, or you knee him, or you you know you kick him with your why kick him with your foot? You're gonna hurt your foot. There's all metatarsals in there, and you kick you kick the guy with your shin, you can break his leg, and no, you know, like, And they used to call it the big nine. One, two, three, four, knee-knee, shin, shin. What's the ninth one? Boom! The old coca bot, right? So, and then that's really that, that well, that's a difficult arsenal to learn, isn't it? Like, gee, that might take you five minutes to learn, type of thing, right? Oh gosh. Well. But whoever went to siam well all the canals did mm. i mean for for 250 years that was that was the uh, on the trade route yeah you know uh, uh spice uh you know all the stuff from all the, the it, part of china and opium all that that was part of the stuff so what, 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 what so they learned kung fu from china uh, they learned all these other things from all these other cultures but they didn't touch any of the uh, and by the way, it was called the Sport of the Kings back in those days. Very, very popular. And if you look up the history of Amuiboran or Muita, you'll see, uh, especially with the skirmishes between the Burmese and, and the surrounding nerd back in the day, they even had a thing where, you know, like if you got captured by the, the bad guy, bad guys, you know, the, the, the opposing force captured you or vice versa, uh, you know, in, in addition to taking the women and the children and, and your weapons and your wealth, they take some of the, the warriors, they take them back to the culture, and you know, keep them in a cage for a couple of days and, and go out and say, look, if you can beat uh, 10 of us or so in, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat, you get your freedom. And there's more to that than meets the eye, by the way. There's a lot more, you know, I mean, they're in a cage, starving for 10 days. These guys are recuperating after war, freshers, you know, and then going to fight them think about it if you could if you could defeat their warriors eat 10 in a row they not playing around with it it's not like a karate point contest you know yeah. okay break you're not allowed to do that and hey let's have a drink you know break for a smoke and a drink smoke a drink like they used to do in england you know like uh, i'm not talking about the governor you know i'm not you know, you know some some of these rounds in you know feudalism. you know before the before the um a Marquis of Queensberry rules back in the day. I mean, Jesus, a ring was created not to keep the fighters inside, silence, was yes. to keep the spectators out from joining in with the fight. Round 62, you know, let me put the cigar out and come back to the fight again, you know. So, so, <laughs> so that's what it was. I mean, that's what it was. And I likened, I tried to, because, see, everybody knows the history of pugilism. It's a, it's an open book. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, there were no rules back in the day and, and uh, all kinds of, All kinds of, Jesus, I was so brutal, you know. And then somebody realized, hey, Bob, we can make a quid out of this. What do you mean? I bet my guy will beat your guy. And it started being, hey, your guy is like 30 stone, you know, and 19. And and he's from Wales. This guy, he might be Irish, but, you know, like, he's only, he's, he's a two stone, you know. So let's create some rules then with some regulations and let us keep the crowd out and no smoking and hey he's lost his teeth and his face is his broken knuckles why don't we wrap the hands up a little bit put some safety in, and uh, and 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 as the pugilism grew and the marcus of queensberry came in and put rules and regulations on it it got more popular and popular and popular and pretty soon it was like oh about bet a hundred quid on him and it, was, it became a huge thing yeah. and nobody even questions that i mean there's not even any secret knowledge behind the history of pugilism it's it's like literally an open book mm-hmm. but it, when i say you know something the very same thing happened in thailand before it was thailand called sam and somebody's boxing evolved the very same way. And back in the day, it was wild, the Wild West. And then, as soon as somebody said, "I can make a quick, uh, I can make some gold from it," somebody said, "Oh, wow! And let's start making." It. And it evolved the same way until it became a systematized methodology.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, and then, and I'm saying, you know, during these pre-formative years, you got Okinawan merchants sailing to Southeast Asia, and China, Middle mm-hmm. Kingdom. And, what, they were in port for a month, two, three, four, whatever. Or, or maybe even they had their own little tributary stations there, you know, like the Khan and Fujian, places like that. But they, they weren't learning that, especially guys who were, who were part of, say, the security team or something. Like that. Yeah, look, we're going to do everything. We'll go to the brothel, going to drink a lot, we're gonna party, but I don't want to learn anything more about fighting. That might help me progress, you know. Of course. And so that idea of learning how to put that together. that So I wound up in the end, studying that history implicitly and bringing together this idea of taking, what, 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 are, the, what, are, the ba- what are the basic uh, tools of percussive impact at a range where you can strike a person, and not way over here where I throw, throw an arrow at you or something mm-hmm. like that, but just you know, kicking, punching, grappling, grappling distance. Let me focus on those areas and, and what tools of impact do I need to learn to receive for the purpose of capturing and responding to. And then how about learning the learning them yourself. I mean, I I I have talked to people in karate, they've never done an uppercut in their life. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I, I you know my shirokan people don't have uppercuts, you know. or, or you know, a shuto Uchiyuki. They, they don't do that in Gujaru, you know, they don't have a shuto Uchiyuki. And at the same thing, the, the 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 uh you know the uh uh the Shuriken people don't do have they don't have a kaki, you know. Mm. And so so there's lots of you know we don't do that because it's not my style. And by the way, just one other thing. that I'm talking about this here point is, you know, if it was just about fighting, there's no need to learn karate in the first place. Karate is actually not probably a very good thing to learn if you want to learn how to fight. Uh, Lenny McLean's my hero, man. Uh, Lenny, good going, on! <laughs> you know. And uh, and uh, you know, and and I was I've been a long, I was a fan of his long before Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. You know what I mean? I knew uh, knew his story and. and, yeah. and you know, through my association, I'm not going to mention this guy's name because he's a bad guy now. But through my association with this one guy, Terry remember <laughs> over in uh, there, I, I I met some other guy, Roy Shaw, and people like that who were yeah bought these guys. You know, I, I had some great conversations about how it all worked and stuff like that. And you know, it's 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 interesting that you know karate has this uh, hermetically sealed uh, 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 protectional wrap around it, if you will. That, oh, it has to be this way, it can be that way, you know. You can't do that, because that, that, that's not about karate. And the other guy said, I said this, if it's just about fighting, then you don't, let's just forget about talking about karate. Because there's better things to practice if you want to do the so-called fighting part. I say I'd recommend you just maybe do uh, boxing or Muay Thai at the latest, and wrestling or some type of form of... I'm a catch wrestler, so I would say I would do I would say catch wrestling over BJJ any day. That's, that's just that's just me, okay, because it's been around for so long and, and it's got it's got all that dirty tricks you can possibly imagine, and it's not a sport, you know. So I can bite, I gouge, you know, all those things that are necessary in creating anatomical vulnerabilities in, with which to exploit through uh, through uh, pain withdrawal reflex action, you know, and so, but but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the art of karate as concealed inside kata that had been handed down uh, like um, uh, time capsules, if you will. And that's why I thought it was always important to uh, learn the oldest uh, and most original version of the kata, uh, because it would then serve as a kind of a template with which to uh, uh, look at how these acts of physical violence were negotiated back in the day. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, through a contemporary lens, and remember... Uh, I'm I'm a great student of uh, uh, cultural anthropology, and Joseph Campbell was one of many uh, mentors who spoke very loudly to me through his work. And speaking about tradition, he said something like, uh, every generation produces innovative minds who in an effort to keep their traditions a living experience for the community that they serve, find reason with which to uh, reinterpret the common principles upon which it rests. And in doing so, And in spite of the lip service paid to oh, my style's better than his. It's just more innovative ways of doing the very same thing. The choke never changes. Uh, The mechanics you use to do whatever it is, they're not gonna change. But you might not be the same as the guy uh, uh, next to you uh, in size or intensity. And and this becomes a variation on a common theme. How does Sue negotiate that act of physical violence compared to Greg? against me, you know? And so, and and, but, and you know, there's always this, right? There's always, you can do this, this, and this, and that doesn't work. You shift over this cause, because you've done that so many times in two-person drill training, you know, like the free engagement, by the way. Yeah. I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot about, you know, once all the um, ritualized templates have been practiced and you've, you've gained your functionality, and then you train with everybody forever until you work out all of the failures and mistakes and and they they become practices you you know you can now duel you, hey we only got 20 minutes let's duel oh well, let's do saber or rapier what are you doing we're just dueling back and forth that's my idea it's like a bjj goes, let's have a roll we've got 20 minutes yeah. and 10 guys okay so it's one it's a one guy uh for every two minutes or something like that and just uh tap when i get I tap, Keep it rolling. keep it rolling why can't you do the same thing standing up crossing hands i think you can that's what we do and that's why we do our kaki demashi that's what we do and you know we're and showing and there's this, you know there's a kind of a, a, a warriors a warriors uh, agreement between both uh, players. I'm not going to try to rip your eye out if I can. You know it's nice I'm going to put my thumb on my eye if I get an opportunity. If you if you bear hug me and leave my hands free, I'm going to I'm going to stick one thumb in your eye socket while I pull a cheek with a fish hook on the other one just to show you I can do it. I don't have to pull your eye out to show you. So there's this there's this. Uh, Mutual, reciprocal respect between each other, and that's how you get these things work. And that's the beautiful benefit of this uh, Ri rei tegumi style practices. But the idea that the artist becomes so commercial, and then you got guys like, okay, I'm going to make some money, and here's how I'm going to make money, and they'll make any money. They will make money any way they possibly can. And because of that, you got everybody in his brother, and you got there's a whole there's a whole slew of people who believe you know, in the pressure point and think green and touch me in four, four places, you know, but, well, of course this is before he'll sucker punch me in the face or king me, you know, that'll never happen. And, and there's, there's a whole slew of people who believe that. They they, they believe that. They'll argue uh, until uh, forever. Way. There's a bunch of other people who say, there's no such thing as bunkai. And there's the group of people that just say, I'm analyzing it. I'll come back to you later. You know, and then there's people who say, you know something, The the chain is only as strong as its weakest link, and and uh, this continual incessant analytical process has has run its course. This works. I'm sticking with that until it doesn't work anymore. You know, and so you got all of these different mindsets, and you got somebody on top going, captains of industry, Uh, we let's call them. We're the Goldman Sachs. My son can't do that. He hasn't worked for them anymore, so anyway. You know, they're the devils in disguise, right? They're, they fund both sides of the wars and all this. Don't get me started, right? But, you know, they're, they're, they don't give a shit about who you are, where you come from, what your spiritual, religious, political beliefs are. <clears throat> they don't care about money. That's as simple as that. And where they they're, they don't go, oh, this $50 bill came from the ISIS. I don't want it, you know. They just go, it's a $50 bill. I'm going to put it in my bank account. And so, so anybody selling karate, they're going to have the best, their, their story is going to support whatever it is they're they're marketing. I'm marketing traditional shoru, goju-ru, whatever it is, and we do it this way. And if you don't do it this way, that's not the right way. And so there's nothing I can really say about that other than that's just, that's just the way things are. And, and so, uh, uh, when do I feel it's time to move on? That's. A difficult question to answer if you're with a group who are not moving on but you you want to move on but they're not and they're maybe gonna give you some issues if you question that uh, that uh, transition and so you know how do I find a group that you know how do I find a group that thinks outside the box or 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 will find uh, that being outside your comfort zone is the pathway that you should be on and, and and when you f- start feeling that you're comfortable, get the hell out of the dojo, get into another place or something like that. Unless of course, you're not practicing karate. for I'm practicing, uh, you know something, look at this, here's my gun. Uh, there's my self defense. I'm practicing karate because I love the cultural heritage. Yeah. It's a cultural recreation for me. And I love uh, going down to the dojo and I know we're gonna do a few minutes of uh, clearing our head meditation whatever you want to call it we're going to do it either japan it's a formal bow in okinawa it's an informal one we're going to hit the makiwara we're going to do some hojo undo we're going to do some you know two-person drill might do a little bit of light sparring uh we're going to do a stretch cool down and we're going to go for a drink hang out socialize you know that That, that's about 95 percent of what goes on here by the way you know yeah that's Cultural, work. And, and, that, and nothing wrong with that, by the way. I yeah, I, I actually love that. I mean, look at me. I love that. You know. But I'm just from a functional point of view for the cathode part. And uh, at one at one junction along across the spectrum of someone's practice life, if they're ambitious and they're inquisitive, and they want to know what these moves mean, um, <laughs> I admit I better i okay. I will say. No names.
3: <laughs> a
2: young man approached me not so long ago through the correspondence and he said he didn't say I think I have he just said to me, he said I have discovered where no one else has the secret meaning of all the peanut katas. And uh, I've uh, I've fused them all together, made a single cot out of them, and I'd like to send it send you a videotape of me doing it and uh, anyway anyways, I just you know <laughs> I'm trying to be polite, you know, but it was just like You don't need to be polite, it's fine. Wait. No, I have to he, he's joined my group now, by the way. Oh, okay. I'm still I'm still working I'm still working on him, by the way. I'm still I'm still trying to see get him to see the light, you know. I, I gave him a little bit of Kool-Aid, but he's not drinking too much of it just yet, you know. And, and uh you know, so but anyway, but he just he really believes that him doing this and I said said I said and by the way, a joint lock is a joint lock a punch is a punch, and and he does them as well as the next person, you know, and, and, you know, he had a kind of a coaching background, a pretty good stand-up fighter, too, I mean, I've watched in the competition, I don't think it would take much of a stretch to make the transfer from that into the real fight, you know, if he wants to play guys, he's pretty good like that, and he's young and strong, and he's very determined, and, and, you know, but <laughs> he's very naive, and, and, you know, and he says, you know, the guy throws a punch, and and you know, and, he, and when he's demonstrating, he goes. The guy's always throw, the guy, and the guy always throws the punch like this, you know, or he, or he attacks like this, or you know. And it's again, it's passive resistance, and the guy waits there, and, and you know, there's no engagement, there's no reception, there's yeah. there's no aggressive versus, and there's a and there's a lecture, a dissertation behind all the things that are going to happen, you know. And, and the things that are happening, the, with the balance displacement, the entry, it's, it's all perfect, right? But I'm just saying that at the, the moment of engagement. <laughs> you he'd never get beyond that and, and there would be no need for a follow-up because he, he'd be unconscious or, or harmed yeah. at the very least you know and i see that everywhere everywhere <laughs> i got a new dvd <laughs> so when the guy attacks you they always say it online uh, i'm just doing that learning speed i don't want to do too fast Oh please, go ahead. I don't mind. Do as fast as you want. I, in fact, I'd love. I'll pay you money to see it faster. And 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 there's a there's a you know a twelve point dissertation behind what happens after you think gold letter thirty five and put the tip of the tongue on your roof of your mouth and, and they go off and I you know and then of course the other the you know the other the other side of that spectrum is is uh, you know there's the MMA guys and there's the BJJ guys and and the kato, kato is the you know Kaktogi is a Japanese term which means it would mean it would have meant what mixed martial arts meant before the development of the UFC. Mm-hmm. UFC was developed uh, in 1993 uh, with the Gracies, and but Kaktogi existed here uh, from the '80s uh, with guys like Sayama Satoru and mm-hmm. you know Rings, Pancrats, uh, Pride, you know so on. So anyway, so um, when's the time to move on? Uh, if you're if you are, uh, I don't want to say smart enough, but I mean, if you, you get to the point where you're thinking it's time to move on because this guy doing it or this cools in the world, my style doesn't, and, 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 I want to do that. Always let the outcome, uh, your desire, uh, be your guiding light, you know, take your gut instinct. And, um, the time to move on is when it's not working. When you learn, when, when you're learning something, it doesn't work. And, uh, another, another, for, from a pedagogical point of view for we uh, teachers, instructors, mentors, is to carefully um, evaluate your learners, those who come, um, the pathway has delivered them at your doorstep, uh, and maybe they might already be functional in some particular areas. Your job is to be very uh, mindful of, first of all, making sure they learn and number two, that they're not harmed in any way because of practices, and that you try to encourage them to become um, the best they can be. And if they, and if they, and if they, uh, uh, if they become better than you, that's a that's a tap on the back for yourself. You know, that's always that's always a good thing. But as long as they become functional, that's what's important. And you know when it's time for them to move on. Is when you see that they're able to do the drill, or even better still, is that they're bored with doing it. Uh, boredom is a great uh, visual um, uh, sorts of recognition to say that that child is ready to move on. You know, remember I, when I was a kid in class, you know, and you know, be staring up the window. I'd, they used to whack your hand with a cane, and then later I was I came up in the Catholic school system. The, the, the nuns would hold your hand out with a big leather strap and strap you type of thing. You know, back now, nowadays, I'm, I don't know how much different it is, I haven't been in school for a long time, but I do know that later on they outlawed that type of thing. And then and then they used to just punish people, give them after school detentions and stuff like that, for looking out the window. And then, some smart person came along and went, why are they looking out the window? Could they be bored with what you're teaching? <laughs> oh, no, or could they have a chemical imbalance? You know, Tourette's... Uh, uh, autism, whether on the spectrum, you know, well, well, let's find out, let, why don't we just take a moment to evaluate while, while, why that learner was bored, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that helped, of course, changing the way that we deliver lessons. I don't know why we don't do that in, in, in karate. That's also be. But I, I always see this, you know, one package fits everybody type of thing. So uh, anyway, I, I think I answered that question. I'm just looking at number three mm-hmm. now, which I think we, we kind of delved a little bit. We, into
1: yeah, the, we did, yeah.
2: You know, so but but that thing about you know uh, with MMA and the introduction of karate and, and the combat rule set is you know this this whole idea about uh, um, reducing some of the rules, if you will, you know. It, look, look, you can't gouge his eye out, but you know everything else goes. And you know we we tried the ring. That set precedence and and it gave. It gave birth to, you know, a, a very important uh uh phase of transition and growth. And then, you know, we tried the, uh, you know, we just tried the mats, you know, and, and that and that gave birth and that, that gave rise to another area of growth and transition. But again it was it was rather limited. Now and then we and then then and then the the octagon came out, you know, the cage and you know, ninety three was the Of course we saw it earlier with the, you know Chuck Norris's movie, The Octagon, uh, but now, now, now the idea of you know the cage, and that, and that gave another, and it gave growth and direction to you know I run up and jump off the cage and give you a Superman punch. Yeah. Who Who would have ever thought of that before? You know, but and so people could actually do it, you know, and and so uh, you know each uh, 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 the development of each uh, arena gave birth to. Uh, other areas of interest and now of course karate combat where they're they're not in a cage, they're not on a platform they're kind of in a gully so to speak yeah. you know you fall outside of it you know you can't climb out of it it's okay to hold the side of it because nothing will on to. you know and uh and you know it's a different gear they're trying to promote more of the karate type look again i think that it's going to have a wonderful impact. and then of course there's kudo and there's the you know the and the chinese have their own version so there's there's lots of Ways with which to test the veracity of the function, but it's still not real fighting. Yeah, you
3: know, no, it, absolutely. It, yeah.
2: It's, it's gladiatorial by nature. It's another marketable uh, uh, product, and people will make money out of it. There will be wonderful spectator appeal to it. But does it? And, and and I think and I and I think that in any any practices <clears throat> which cause or compel. A learner to uh, draw their attention from what they're looking at, from inside that little area they're looking at, and get outside it, outside the comfort zone, to look at its dynamics and contrast it with what they're doing, in an effort to help grow their understanding of something. I think that's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not—I mean, I'm not—I'm not against sport karate. I, mean, I grew up—I grew up as a sport competitor. Yeah. You know. And uh, now, does it have holdbacks? Is it, of course, and there's lots of different ways of looking at it. I was, I yeah, I was at an izakaya here uh, the other night. Uh, it's isekai is, a, is a informal style uh, restaurant where you get drinks and, and, and so. And there was a guy smoking at the table. Oh, Jesus. You get arrested for that back back in the Western world these days, especially. You know, I, yeah. I was very surprised by that, you know. And so I I didn't make a big deal of it, but you know when when the, I knew the owner, and the owner came over, and I said, hey, I said, you know, the smoking, thing. and he goes to me, and he says to me, he goes in Japanese, he goes, are oh, you you stand against smoking? And I went, I thought about it for a minute, and I went, you know, ignoring the the obvious health fucking impediments, and 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 the and the and the um, the expectation that the that the uh, restaurant would observe what's commonly recognized everywhere is don't smoke yeah. inside a restaurant. Secondary smoke is bad for you, you know. I said, um, and I know, you know, I, I had no jurisdiction. Of, what's what's the first rule of uh, the serenity prayer? Lord, give me the serenity uh, to to accept the things I cannot change the power to change the things I can and, and the wisdom to know the difference. I, I can't make, I can make change. The guy's already smoking. There's nothing I can do about it. So I just looked at him and I said, no, I'm not against it, but I'm just more supportive of, uh, I'm pro fresh air. And he looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought perspective is very interesting. How, how you look at stuff, you know, as a, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, a bit, it's like our conversation today, which I always enjoy, but, you know, um, some people will listen to what I say and go, wow, that's fantastic, I like that, you know. Other people look and say, I don't understand what he's talking about. And some people say, oh, it's McCarthy you know, so, so it's perspective, you know, and perspective is generally, you know, it's it's a yardstick that we use to measure uh, uh, the value of anything, you know. And so, and the value of, of what we look at depends largely on, you know, genofino, uh, sorry, not Gino, nature nurture, you know, how... how you know, who we who we associate with, you know. I always think that there's that wonderful quote about, you know, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And, you know, largely with children, you know, it oh, during my era, you know. Nowadays it's a different story because of social media and the internet. You know, you got people who are kids to stay at home all the time or, or you know it's funny, I always laugh when I go to a restaurant sometimes there's like ten kids sitting around the table. No noise. There's <laughs> everybody's on the phone telling, you know. Why go out you know? yeah and so you know yeah perspective is a is a is an interesting thing you know i mean and uh, i think you know uh uh what do they say uh, uh uh move more eat less and laugh there's a kind of a i can i can kind of apply that to karate you know is uh make sure you're always practicing never never give up your practice your practice changes across the spectrum of your life because of yeah. you know age and and health and all that type of stuff you know and or, or medical uh, issues and, and stuff like that uh, but you never never stop learning. Learning is the it, that's the thing that keeps you young all the time and never stop practicing uh and uh and don't be afraid to engage with that. I talk to people here, oh, I don't want to talk to you. I know Oh you're a foreigner. So what's wrong with that? I think there's mindset that we don't know anything or you know you're here to learn our or, or not the other way around. I go oh boy okay and and then there's this thing you know I think I always said a lot of times I you know uh, people I've known for 25 30 40 years uh, who, who, who uh, you know maybe weren't too interested in what I was doing back in the day they were you know wrapped up in the sport or something like that found found reason not to look at you know uh, being a little bit more of a researcher if amateur researcher the amateur historian you know you know searching for this looking for that Jesus all of a sudden I feel, I feel I can't talk to them anymore it's like it's like they're in competition with me or something or or I'm out or it's this it's a competition like and I go Let's just. I get, I, people come here. I've known for years. You know. Now you don't see anybody because of the pandemic. Now, now that the pandemic is over, oh, whatever, and people are coming back to well, Okinawa, I look on the social social media. I'm not on. I mean, I'm not on TikTok or uh, oh, the other ones, Instagram or Twitter or all. I want to be. I actually have accounts account. I just don't know how to use them. That you know. But I'm a Facebook type person. You know. And so you know, we're limited to Facebook type thing. You know? But I'll see pictures on Facebook. Oh, oh my God, I know that guy. Or that guy's actually part of my organization. He, he was just in Okinawa. He never he never reached out to me. You know, my son say, Dad, nobody's under, nobody's under the obligation to contact you. I said, I understand that. And, but you know, you got this, uh, you know, we're friends or we're associated with each other. I'm going to tell you, I mean, if I, if I came to England, um, and I mean, I'm not, if I had been you know, on Friday and on a Monday, it might be a different story, but yeah. if I was in England, I would call you guys Hey beer time you know yeah, uh, yeah. let's hang out or do something you know and or or let's work out or something like that I mean it's just it's common courtesy yeah it's not even professional courtesy it's just being friendly you know and I see people coming around when I write I like, go, hey so and so I just saw you in Okinawa yeah I was uh, all busy you know I was too busy to send me an email or tag me or something you know? so I it's just, see it's like you know I'm in company And it's like, you know, uh, one-upmanship all the time. I see that that's quite prevalent here, you know. And um, somebody doesn't want me to talk to somebody else because uh, I might share with that other person something that might either supersede uh, what's being taught to them or might uh, help this particular learner uh, take another look at, um, an overly ritualized practice and get something very functional from it and that would then go against The practice that they're using in their dojo. So mm-hmm. I'm a kind of persona non gratis You know, that were, don't talk to McCarthy type of thing.
3: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've
2: always stood in opposition to that type of thing You know, I stand in opposition to lots of stuff and you know It, it tends not to make you a kind of a popular person after a while and, and I didn't realize, you know What's the expression? When I was young, I used to really be concerned what they were saying about me, you know, because it was never true, right? You know and then when i get older i eh, not so much and now i just i don't give a, I i don't care really but, but 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 i kind of take the opposite it's not that i care what they're saying it's i i'm kind of care about the person who's listening because they're going to be yeah, uh, yeah. influenced in a way which might uh stagger or, or prevent them from progressively getting to an area where they should be or could be under the uh under the um uh auspices of another group or something like that you know
0: so you're kind of trying to make sure that that conversation does happen but that it happens where people can see the conversation so that other people can say oh so maybe it is okay if i step outside of what i'm being taught and
2: that well let's if anything i because i know i've been talking here for much longer than words but let me end this conversation on a very simple thing and i i don't even know i've always said this before but it's about oh actually i think you want to, about what is tradition right what what is about tradition Tradition back in the day used to be a set of rules, you know, you know, the high block, this is low block, inside, outside, shuto, reverse punch, oizuki, maigiri, you know, these are the katas you learn, this is tradition, you can't think of that, you know, this is the way. this is tradition. And if you don't do it, then you're not doing the tradition. And, you know, and that, that was, that was written in stone for, I don't know, forever, you know. And then, and, and that's why I say this, you know, uh, Back in my day, you know, in the, in the 60s, coming up to Karate, you didn't cross-train and Or if you did, it was a secret, or it was your friend's dojo or something. Or, you know, or it was a formal get-together. <clears throat> Somebody from Waterloo was coming over from England or something. You know, like that type of thing. You know, and it was all, a, you know, a special function seminar or something like that, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, but through my, uh, historical studies and, uh, my look at uh, culture and not just this culture. It's funny, you know, Joseph Campbell wrote a wonderful uh, he wrote many books by the way, cultural anthropologist, uh, but a, a book that he wrote called A Hero with a Thousand Faces, uh, which talks about God, really, you know, and, and God. God is in every culture. It might be under a different name, uh, it might have different powers, might be different benefits of being part of that particular religion, but God exists, you know, and, and whatever form it is, you know. Everybody, every culture has their own version of that type of thing, right? And so, I liked, I liked his work very, very much. And when I used to read his books, the words uh, uh, became concepts, and concepts became uh, uh, little visual uh, concepts for me that jumped right off the page. And I I just was so moved by uh, Campbell's work, and anyway, and absolutely, from him what i got was this tradition was a process a, a mechanism it wasn't something chiseled into stone tradition was about oh yeah and, and now of course we now now we know there's a uh, Jean Gilles, the, the there's the frenchman and there's there's um, uh the uh, uh i forgot i forgot that. I took my time the zen monk uh, who's, you know, uh, the Frenchman always says, you know, tradition is not about uh, keeping the ashes in a box. Uh, And the other one is about uh, not blindly following the master, but continuing to seek out what the Mm -hmm. pioneers are seeking. Mm -hmm. So in that vein, in that sentiment, to me, tradition is about continually um, uh, looking outside the box uh, and seeking better ways of uh, getting the tradition to function for you. So, it's not threatened by um, stagnation. It's not threatened by um, this inflexible, uh, conformist mindset that says, don't change anything. Because change is the only one thing that is inevitable in life. And... Perhaps even in death, is the idea that everything changes. Mm-hmm. And so, what are the parameters of change? Well, we know that the acts of physical laws—they are perpetual, timeless. They're not going to change unless you grow a third arm or something like that. You know, the two-handed strangulation, the bear hug. And so it, it, they work according to these. Methods. And our and our uh, ability to respond to them requires this—you know—this learning process, of course. You know, until it becomes uh, spontaneously functionable for us. And uh, so how, so, so, you know, I mean, look at the, we look at say progress, we were talking about sports, karate and the Olympics. Look at the 1936 Olympics, for example. There was a, a American girl who won the gymnastics uh, gold medal. Her name is Julie Mills. Anyway, she had her, her front, her, her tumbling routine was uh, a, <laughs> by the way, you know, I, I'll tell you how old I am. I really remember Olga Corbett and Nadia Comanich, you know, uh, when they were 12 years old and, and, and this, this tall, they were doing and that's like 40 years ago. They were doing like round-off, flip-flop, uh, back double uh, uh, layout, twisting somersaults and punching it back into a front summy with a full twist and doing stuff, <laughs> just mind-blowing stuff. <clears throat> what they're doing today is even more awesome. Julie Mills <clears throat> did a round-off, a cartwheel, uh, into a front somersault.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, sorry,
2: sorry, into a back walkover ran a few steps and then did a punch front somersault to her gold medal routine, by the way. <laughs> you know, with the consciousness, is ninety thirty six to here. So maybe less than 100 years ago. Mm. You know, so how far has karate come? You know, I, I had the pleasure of meeting Vernon Bell. Uh, and yeah. I was down in Canyontown doing a seminar back in the day, you know. Go off, go my my It was a boxing club I was doing a seminar in, by the way, you know. Fire Fox Mike, my And I said, hey you, you know, he remind me of the joke the the Copney guy asked Winston Churchill, church. He goes, Hey my ages! Why where you go find it? When are you gonna do this? He goes, he goes. Right after we put a T in front of the word thanks, might <laughs> because But anyway, so the, I was down there, and uh, Vernon Bell uh, came over to meet me, and he wanted to meet me, and we'd been talking. And uh, I had been uh, uh, corresponding and, and meeting with another another friend of his uh, who had been a judo uh, 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 a judoka who trained under, at the Budokwai under... Uh, the famous uh, Kowachi, was it Kowachi, like, uh, in uh, in England, uh, pre-warriors was had been teaching there, and uh, um, let me just think of his name. Uh, I'll come back to his name anyway. And and so I was talking to Vern, and he goes, and I said, Sensei, I said, you know, it was during our break in the, in the boxing club, and Edward uh, had gone out for lunch, and I stayed there with him and had a snack and talked to him. And, and I go, what, what was it like? You know, Vernabell. Uh, well, sorry, you know who Vernabell is.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah
2: yeah you know, he got brought karate into the uk first all. Yeah. and he had learned it from uh he'd learned it from uh he was uh, he would travel over to France to train with uh, Henri play uh, who had been studying with uh, mochizuki Minoru's son hiro mochizuki and uh, he would bring the karate back and teach it and he goes yes I remember you know I remember my black belt testers very so, so remember. So he, he started teaching from 1957, okay? Mm-hmm. And we go and guys like that, we were his first-generation first students, right? He was, I remember my black belt test. It was very, very difficult. And I went, wow. Well, so, sensei, tell me, please, you know. I would love to hear that, you know. I started training in the 60s, but, you know, mid-60s, mid, mid 60s, and I never tested for black belt until, uh, until you know, five years later, 1970. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I knew what karate was basically like you know, and I can very conservative east coast of Canada, so very similar to the British culture, you know And he goes well, I said, you know first first we had to go up and down the floor doing GEDANBARAI INNOCENT KUTSUDAJI My Gary Tomikomizuki Age UKE Over and over. And I said, okay, that's that's you know I get the old, I know, mindless repetitions. I remember those days. And he goes, then I had to do P-Man Showdown <laughs> five times. And I went, wow, five times. He goes, and then he said something I would not expect, you know, when not training, I had to break a board. And I went, wow, a real board?
3: Yes, I was a real board.
2: <laughs> and really hurt my knuckles. <laughs> and, I would, and he goes, and then there was the sparring part, which was always the fun part. And I went, wow, the, the test took like an hour, you know? And that, and that was it, that was like the whole test. And I went, wow. <laughs> I mean, well, compared to what goes on today for tests, you know? And then, I mean, some of these tests goes on a ridiculous amount of times. And, and you know, today, you know, I've, I've seen, I don't know, Inoida was famous for it, you know, uh, in the, down in the Crystal Palace and all that. There was uh, you know, guy's testing for fourth time. He, he stumbles in Gankaku or something like that and fails the test. You know? What's he's going to get another 400 quid next time so? i never understood that type of thing. yeah it's fascinating to see what what's tradition what was tradition at one point mm. what is tradition now yeah. and what's going to become of tradition later and that's why i think that that, that uh uh idea of firmly grasping an understanding of what tradition truly represents mm. the problem with that is this is that if you're if you're part of a group an organization or an association or something like that, that says, you know, this is, these are the parameters and you're not allowed outside them. those are fighting words, you see. So, and if you think of tradition that way, but you're inside that box, you're not going to be there long or they're going to put you out or they're going to, you know, uh, do you remember I, in our interview years, I always talk about uh, an interesting uh, cultural phenomenon here in Japan called, uh, it's how they keep people in line here. It's how, it's how, it's how you remain conform, conform in this culture. Uh, it's called uh, the the uh, the proverb is is deru uh, kugi wa utareru or or they ch- they can change the word kugi for kui. Kugi means nail, which yes. they use these days. Kui means peg, which they used back in the day. So deru kui or kui wa utareru means uh, if there's a if there's a if a nail is protruding in the floor, then you know you 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 push it back down again, right? And but if it keeps popping up again. And you push it down and it doesn't say down, you pluck it out, right? And so yes. metaphorically speaking, if you're the type of person who's rocking the boat, asking too many questions, wanting to change a drill or, you know, make it more functional to do it another way. And you're in this hermetically sealed trap where you're not allowed to change it, or the master said it's not you know, you're, this is the way it is, you're gonna you're gonna get pounded down. And yes. and if you don't get pounded down, you're gonna get ostracized, you know. Yeah. And so, and so, um, and if you get ostracized, then, you know, back in the day when this expression was out here in, in feudal Japan, it wasn't just you who was ostracized, you know, it was your whole family and your relatives. Nobody would sell you food or, you know, you, I mean, you would, basically, you had to run away somewhere because you, you, you or commit suicide because that's how bad it was. So that, uh, that, uh, the memory of that is still around and, and, and everybody kinds of, everybody, um, you know it's a conformist based culture so okinawa is a little less uh conformist based you know the okinawans are uh, much more free thinking and relaxed not yeah. so mainland japanese if you will but but especially but in business and education and the school system law enforcement it's still very much mm. uh, it? and of course inside inside institutionalized traditions like karate judo yeah. someone yeah you're I'm not
3: still, going, you're I'm not still you're still not still you're still
2: yeah, well you, you know you're not going to go down to uh Shurenji ru uh dojo and chin and say yeah i think kian meant this and we should do it that way <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to work you know so mm, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah
3: we... so how
2: was that did we, did we did we get enough today what do you think did i absolutely yeah absolutely
0: yeah for sure
2: and you know i i, I told you this before you remember uh uh when we Sometimes when I was getting interviewed, I always remember, especially my British friends, I say, it reminds me of the time when Churchill was asked to speak at the Geneva Convention by one of the House members, and the guy goes, oh, he said, oh, I'm sorry, how much time do I have? And he goes, sir, I'm sorry, what do you mean? He goes, well, he says, you know, he said, uh, if you want me to speak for an hour, I'll need a significant time to prepare. If you'd like me to speak for two hours, uh, I will need less time. Uh, if you'd like me to speak all night, I'm ready to go right now. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. this uh, art of communication. So, Oh, can I just say one last thing about it? It's, it's fresh in my head from an issue that came up uh, actually over your part of the world uh, up north of Scotland. About seminars, you know, for example, in seminars. Like to, you know, today it's a, I mean, I thought I added them up before the end of the uh, you know, the, I actually I had to cancel a whole pre-booked year of seminars back in 2019. Already had my airfare paid for. Least of which, I never got any of that money back. I because I always buy my ticket in advance, you know, year in advance because it's cheaper. You know. Yeah. And anyway, so um, I, and up until the pandemic hit, I taught literally a thousand seminars in 30 years of travel and and and. and 50 countries. Well, that's a big amount. I never really, again, I never really quant the, what do you do when there's a pandemic? <laughs> I have things to do. I said, okay, let me go through all my history and let me, let me count. And of course, I would, if I went away somewhere, say to Europe, but I was going to be there for three months, and when I, let's say I go to Bologna, I'm in, in, uh, in Italy. If I give a lecture on a Friday night and a, a seminar all day, Saturday, and a half a seminar on Sunday, I count that as three seminars, by the way, you know, because I taught Friday, I taught Saturday, different groups, and on Sunday, so anyway, thousands thousand seminars. If I thought, and people would ask me, My God, he said, that's a lot I said, yeah, that's a lot of seminars. But I said it was a lot of fun, you know, it was a it was and and, and it was, don't get me wrong, it was a, it became a business as well, you know. I mean you know, I mean if if I'm going to then leave teaching at the college, which I had a, a good a good stipend, you know, teaching at the college, and uh, and, and I was gonna say, Hey honey, I'm not going to go 9 to 5 on, you know, doing whatever it is I do. Uh, we're going to take a big chance here. I'm going to teach seminars. We're going to make money for it. You know, there's there's no guarantee. You know, there's no guarantee that says, you know, you're going to make 50,000 quid, 100,000 quid, 300,000 quid. There's no guarantee for that, right? So, and, and I and I, I looked into the past, and you know, back in my day of looking at seminar instructors, you know, guys at Cannes and people like that. You know, like the the the, the, the duration, the, the longevity of somebody taking a job might not last very long. Maybe one year, maybe two. You know, two years was about maximum. You know, yeah. guys, they were like uh, they were like uh, you know meteors that shot up and then they shot down. And five years later, nobody knew their name to everything. I lasted for thirty-three decades, and to t- tell you the truth, the end you know, before the pandemic, I was busier than ever. To tell you the truth, and somebody said, why? why were your seminars so uh popular why were they so well attended why did you teach so much? i would go london for example london alone i had like a dozen seminar sponsors just in london alone and and, and you're teaching monday night tuesday night wednesday night 70 people showing up you know in, in Watford for Jesus, you know uh, london downtown piccadilly 150 people show up and go, and they were not the same people from the other seminars you know that's just how many people were so anxious to learn back in the day. And, and admittedly, you know, a little can, Shokan water with, with the big, with the big uh, there. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I said, I think the magic ingredient for delivering a successful seminar always depended on what the host wanted. Uh, wanted. I'll give you an example. I, I taught a seminar in uh, Bergen, Norway. Be- beautiful Bergen. My God, it's so beautiful. If you, you fly down in a flow plane, land on the fjord. It's such a beautiful place. Anyway, uh, I'm teaching up in a flume uh, in, you know, in the old, in the war years, that uh, built uh, uh, tunnels in the mountains, you know. Now they call the flumes, they, they're, they're, you know, offices and apartments and beautiful, you know. And guy's got a dojo in there, we can. There's around 50 people in this particular seminar, and all from, say, five different styles. And I taught uh, Aragaki Seisan and its application practice. I taught the application. I always like teaching applications first, in a two-person drill. And then on the next day, you separate the two-person drills and I asked them to ritualize the solo composite into a template and they go, oh my God, that, that's the, oh my God. And I said, let's piece them together into this geometry and they go, oh my God, that, that's the kata!" I go, yeah, well, you know, when you link together in a, in a, in a, in a you know, a systemic uh, geometrical configuration uh, the, the solo representation of the two-person drills, you uh, end up with something greater than the sum total of its individual parts. That's what a cut is. It was meant to culminate what you should have learned in a two person practice in the first place. So I teach that way, right? Anyway, so then on Sunday afternoon, I go, wait, let's stop. We glue all the moves together now, and we're going to do the kata. And I go, yeah, good idea. And I said, you know, there was, I should say, some people from Shotokan, Shiro, Wado Goju, and Kyokushin, right? So I said, let's do it style by style. So I said, let's do the Shotokan people first. And I went, hey, okay, and I count up the numbers. You know, I, one is a template, you know, a template might have four moves. You know, one, two, three, four, why? I said, that's one, right? And so, I count one, you do each template, right? So, I watched him, I like, went, Oh, my God. I said, well, don't say anything. Jesus, don't say anything. Like, okay, uh, let's get to people. I went, like, oh, my God. I watched them do it. I go, oh, my God. And then I watched the Shitaru people do it, and I go, oh, my God. And uh, and, then, and then, I don't know, I, I, I don't oh, my, what have I done, for God's sake. You know, you, know the, you know the old, you know the Chinese whispers, uh, Metaphor, you know that? Yeah. you know. Yeah, you know I went, or, or, or or better still so the physical version. Uh, ten people lined up, everybody's facing yeah. that way. I get the back guy to turn around and I go. I do some physical movement, right? And he turns on, teaches the next time, and then, by the time it gets to the tenth guy, he's gonna show the first guy. It's completely different, right? That's what I was watching unfold in just two days with my cotton. I was like, Oh my god. But it opened up the door for a very, very fascinating anyway. So obviously the, sorry. You know how you do anything, is how you do everything. So the 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 point here is this: is that, of course, what was I expecting? You know, I want to step in the sliding, vibrant dynamics, uh, you know, explosive energy, and then a flow into the next move. And I, you don't get that from Yeah. <laughs> You know the goju guys were, they were okay the shizu guys were, were very pretty but you know everything was you know and i'm like and the kyokushin guy I know, just you know kata is not their specialty right like, oh my god and i thought to myself oh, yeah so i said no but what, what the the good part of that lesson for me was can you imagine these guys were all black belts by the way so another they were all experienced and i am teaching them in the say the 20th century So this you know Back in the day, and you know, there's in the 90s, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, we're all up to date on this. And I, if I say do this, they all know what to do, they're all doing it differently. So they were doing my conta according to their dynamics of their style, mm. and I had not, I had not, uh, I had not um, planned for that, you know what I mean? I, had, I hadn't planned to see the go through version of my kata type of thing, right. And I said, you know, that's another thing about styles, is the focus is so much on cosmetic appearance rather than functionality. So that's why, and that's another reason why I'm so adamant about these habitual acts of physical violence context and theory, and a two-person scenario-driven representation, is because if you take the contextual premise to use it as your context, and then you use these templated, timeless application practices against it, you're going to see why that pretty, you know, thing's not going to work in reality and that you have to measure for all these other, all this stuff happening. And, and the stuff that happens has to be effectively negotiated or you're not gonna be able to successfully negotiate that particular act of violence. And that's all taken into consideration the way that this, it's configured. So I thought, oh my goodness. You know? <laughs> so, so when you're teaching a seminar, I can't be too um, dictatorial with regards to the cosmetic appearance. Because that might ruffle a few feathers. Anyway, the point is, in the afternoon part of uh, of the of the um, uh, Sunday, I said, "Where's the German guys?" He goes, "Which one?" "The Shotokan guys." He goes, "Oh, they didn't come back." I said, "Why not?" Yeah, he said, "No, the Shotokan people never came back." I said, "Why is that?" He goes,
3: "He goes well." He said, "The guy
2: was a little bit. guy actually wanted a refund. You know?" I went, "A refund for what?" He goes, "Well," he said. He said he you know, they're 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 straight up and down, JK Shotokan. And he said, There's no throws in karate, there's no joint locks <laughs> you know. And I said to him, I said, didn't you give him in those days it was all facts, you know? I said, I faxed you <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, uh in you know, in uh in Funaboshi's 1922. well nineteen twenty two was Line drawings by the yeah. artist but in the in the ninety after the uh, Kanto earthquake and the book was republished under a different name, Gosh Koryo Jitsu. They were actually photographs, and you can see Funagoshi picking people up and throwing them. Yeah, <clears throat> These, there's seven techniques, and, and those those are the seven techniques I taught, by the way, on, on that particular river. And he goes, oh, I forgot to give them out. <laughs> so anyway, in long short, short, he 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 then sent the, the things. And the guy came back and he wrote a letter to me and apologized. Oh my God, he said, you know, he's I've been practicing Shakaan karate for 25 years. He said, I never saw the stuff you're teaching before. He said it was
3: wow.
2: You know, I, I get a lot of compliments, like. But anyway, so going back to what makes a successful seminar, I said, you know, often it's like you know, kind of an entertainment. It's so like a, it's like an entertainment hour, an entertainment show. You know, you know, you you want to be you want to be. Uh, first of all, you want to be uh, considered authoritative. You know, I mean. Who wants to spend 50 quid to go see somebody who doesn't know what he's talking about you know or or learn it off the internet the morning before which is soft in the case these days you know you know i get the youtube black belt type of thing right and so so you you would like to know that whoever is being brought in uh, is 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 a is a recognized authority and 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 you know maybe even more compounded if they have you know publications to their credit or they have some competitive uh, background as a champion or something or travel as a researcher Th- those things are all very important to build credibility right and then of course uh, uh, one's ability to—I mean, I know some really, really remarkable karate, well, not just but martial artists of all kinds of. Jesus, they couldn't teach if their life depended on it. You know. I've oh, told him five fucking times. Why isn't he doing it the right way? Yes, well, you know, a little bit of patience would help. And if everybody was as good as you, we wouldn't be in a seminar teacher in the first place. You know. And so you know, there's that as well. So, <clears throat> and so you know, and then of course you know, making a connection with folks as well. You know. And I, I know, I know, I know that guys, guys were bona fide champions, bona fide, and great fighters, who were just arrogant. They were just arrogant. You know, they were just. Uh, you know, It wasn't that they didn't want to teach. They were just arrogant. They're, they're, they're they they, they thought they're whatever. didn't stink, type everything, and that, and that impeded their ability to last for very long as a as an instructor and teacher. But some people are attracted to that type of thing you know and there's lots of them around you know they they need that you know that uh, military type commander mentality you know, to follow that type of thing right there's a, I, that's not me by the way and um i used to make the joke i said hey i can bring a tape recorder if you want and put it up on the wall turn it on i'll come back in an hour you know it'll give you a warm 509 <coughs> f- you know and, and if you want repetitions I, you switch your ass i if you want we start. I can remember. We'll just do 200 pushes right now, 300 sit-ups. I'll get guy in the back. We'll run around the uh, dojo for until you fall, you know. And then when you're exhausted, I'll teach you a technique. You feel happy that way. My seminars are more cerebral, you know. it's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna a. I'm gonna lecture. The first part of your seminar in the morning is gonna be a lecture. I'm going to tell you why it is I talk the way I do, uh, what I learned in order for me to command uh, the knowledge I have over this body of information. And why you too should, if of only only, uh, the academic purposes, uh, listen to it to evaluate whether you think it's necessary or not. And if uh, the spirit moves you, then perhaps you might look into alternative, you know, the the you know, the academic, uh, the study, the philosophy, holistic, pedagogical, mechanical, principle, science part. And then if you want to, you can stay in the ah, Achille part over here. So I always made sure there was a Killy part over here and the philosophical part over here and and uh, partner up. I always made sure that when people partner up with each other, you know, you know oh, go get a partner, let's go. I said, <laughs> I never do that. I said, why don't you look around and, and find a partner that you might like to work with and introduce yourself and we'll get started in five minutes okay? Because, you know, I mean, you know, you, you know, you get the Samson meets Goliath, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Jack be Nimble is up against uh, Bear, Mary. Mary. Well, don't hurt me, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, so so that was a very important part of that. And to make sure that everybody was having fun, you know. And the best way to, to do that is to stop them every 20 minutes. Hey, everybody just, whoa. Uh, are you okay with the drills, everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any questions? Anybody know? Are you having fun? Yeah, I'm having fun. Well, let's go, you know. And so that that, that constant uh, feedback of working with folks to make sure that, you know, they're okay. Nobody's getting hurt. Nobody's leaving. Nobody feels. Anything. I taught a seminar. For, do you remember Nathan Johnson? Uh,
0: no, I'm sorry. I died. Barefoot
2: Zen. Um, he taught it. He had a dojo over at Oxford and uh, uh, he was from uh, Southampton originally. And, um, absolutely great. I should look at you. You actually, you know something you should interview him his name is Nathan Johnson you look him up you'll find him he's okay. written some bare, barefoot Zen, uh, you know and he used to be a Wing Chun practitioner who uh, uh went back into karate and created some very very fascinating uh flow drills by the way based upon uh, based upon uh sticky hands on now I don't know whatever happened to him but uh anyway he hosted me for some we became friends and, and uh, he hosted me for a seminar. And uh, he goes, oh yeah, I'm gonna, you're going to be teaching at Oxford University. And I'm like, oh, wow, oh, oh, very, very, very. Spot. And uh, He
3: says,
2: you know, at, he says, you know, because you're a, you know, because you're a, you know, college lecturer, you're going <laughs> to. I brought together my my guy. You're going to be on Green Campus, which is the medical. I by the way, I didn't know what Green Campus was. I just Oxford University. That's enough for me. You know, a high school dropout for God's sake. I'm going to Oxford University to teach a sound. That's pretty cool. And, and uh, so green campus. I didn't know it was a, the medical uh, campus. And uh, and uh, uh, the first part, the, the, all the first day, first morning was just a sit down lecture hall overhead. I was just lecturing, you know, street clothes, lecturing notes, you know, talking. And those days were very big. Everybody was interested in neurological pathways. Of percussive impact, how to stimulate and uh, neural uh, structures, and and I that's one of my specialties. You know, especially being in ha, having done the bubushi research and and modulating the course for tertiary level education, and 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 being in the faculty of health sciences. I mean, that was my bread and butter stuff. You know, and I was talking about ganglia, about nuclei, reticulator activating, and Jesus, standing ovation, and one guy says, oh, he says my goodness uh, dr mccarthy where did you read me, <coughs> where did you read for your dissertation i went what what's that even mean <laughs> i'm not a doctor he goes The guy okay, says oh w- where did you do your understudy then i said "Understudy for what <laughs> nathan come on goes he goes Just, he said you know who died I said, no, he, he said oh he said these guys are all phd candidates uh in uh ranging from medical science and philosophy to hands-on physicians and i went oh shit. <laughs> he said, they think you're they think you've got a phd in medicine i went oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay and i went, i'm a high school drop on guys and i they not oh, that." that he, he, he's a joker oh, that's fantastic you know they, they couldn't believe it and then in the afternoon it was all hands-on and when i got out on the floor and we you know i was doing you know the guy bear hugs you and you, you and you 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 great you 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 literally jump up on him. So now he's got to support your weight. You wrap your legs around him like a and you take your thumb and you gouge it into one finger first, thumb right in the eye, and then and then the other one you fucking you you pull his lip back, make sure your fingers not bitten, and then when he's screaming you headbutt him in the face, make sure you hit the nose, you know. And, and they were and I did well, I, as we were doing the two person. I kept noticing people kept disappearing, you know. And then, like, less than one hour later, there was nobody left to teach, and Nathan, Nathan comes back. And you can ask him this when you interview him. And he goes, and he goes, and he goes, him McCarthy, what happened? I said, I don't know. Everybody went. I think they were going to the bathroom, and nobody's come back. And he goes, What are you doing? I, said, I showed him. He goes, Oh my God! I thought you were going to do the, you know, pushing hands, your, you know, your sticky hand thing. And I went, Oh, but you never said that. He goes, I see. He goes they're all pacifists. I went, he said, they're all members of the Buddhist club and they're pacifists. (laughs) And I went, oh jeez, I didn't know that. So, you know, I got this one standing ovation from PhD candidates in medical, uh, the medical field who are overly impressed with this presentation and they're running away, (laughs) escaping, (laughs) escaping. (laughs) We're never going back there again. He's crazy, you know, (laughs) what a violent bugger he is, you know. Oh my
0: God. God, that, oh my life! That must have been so strange. And those oh those lovely peace-loving young people going, I can't possibly hurt people. Like Nathan, just,
2: please, look, look <laughs> Nathan Johnson, please look him up. Nathan Johnson, we you, absolutely you will. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Oh, oh my God! God. Do you know what? that a is a heck, That is a heck of a question to ask people. When did you ever go to a seminar and manage to? Inadvertently, scaring people me. something that they had no
2: idea. Oh, 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 listen! Just before we go, I'm sorry, not with three. Hours. <laughs> I think this is just the funniest thing in the world. A two story, two, two quick ones. Let me say. I want to tell you about a, a, a lecture I gave was so boring I fell asleep. Okay, now I'm going to th- tell you about that. But I, I just want to tell you about this other one that also happened in. in uh, Chris Rowan is a uh, Goju, uh, yeah, Chris, Yeah, Chris used to be my uh, London representative. Back in the day, uh, and uh, until a, an incident happened, and uh, and so uh, uh, <laughs> I was teaching a seminar upstairs at Chris's dojo, and uh, I had two guys. And by the way, I had a representative over in Holland, and uh, I told you about this judo guy whose name I just remember now. By anyway, so so I'm teaching a seminar, and, and Chris goes, "Hey, sensei Just two guys at the door I want to see you, and I was like, "I'm in the middle of a seminar, man. You know, like, can you? Uh, you know." He goes, "Oh no," he says, "They're only here, Pastor. They, they." Saw your poster. They're, they're not here for the summer. They just want to say I don't want Okay. And by the way, the, the guy from Holland, his name is Richard Smolders. Okay, he was our uh, DEX representative for quite a few, quite a few years. And uh, um God, I'm forgetting his name. I and I need the name to make this work, okay? So it's a. uh, uh I'm so silly. This is such a... and you know, I've usually had this tattooed in my brain. Uh, just a minute.
0: Don't worry about it. Ah,
2: Alfred Bates. Alfred Bates. Sorry. Alfred Bates was the judo uh, master who taught at the Budokwai. Uh, Richard uh, 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 Bates, uh, who uh, was a student of the famous. Uh, a Japanese judo teacher who started the Buddha quad right? anyway so so it's uh so it's Alfred Bates and Richard Smulders. Those are the masters right and I I was caught off guard and I was oh gosh uh, okay everybody come to attention uh, please uh, please uh, give give your best for uh, Master Bates and Dick Smolders says I introduced them Master Bates And so fast, your dick is smoldering. I never, I never, you can't make this stuff up. I just was going, and everybody started British humor. I mean, you know, Benny that. everybody's laughing. I'm going, what are you laughing at? These guys are real masters. And and Chris said, you just said masturbate and dick smolders. And I went, that's their names. And he goes, think about it again. Masturbate, dick is smoldering. I went, oh, they, I mean, Jesus, Dick was in his mid-60s anyway, and Dutch. Not that that means that's a bad thing, that's a good thing, but, I mean, you know, he's got several languages he speaks, and I set it out very quickly. Alfred Bates was already, Jesus, he was already in his late 80s or something. But can you imagine? Hey, <laughs> Dick Smaller's, Master Bates. That was at one of my seminars, and that, that's a issue. And uh, what was the other one I wanted to say? Oh, the, the I gave up. So... I used to have a little group here in Australia that were extremely supportive of me when I first came here. And uh, we're, we are still a really tight-knit bunch of friends even to this day. And uh, anyway, so, so uh, you know, I'd be going to... And we were called, we used to call ourselves the Gang of Five. You know, there was four of them and me. And, uh, you know, one's, one's this uh, filthy, rich... Fifth generation multimillionaire. Another one was a, a minister of industrial relations. All these guys are all over overly uh, over, a over a over six uh, over you know uh, anyway Any, and, and adults and, and nice guys and stuff like that. Anyway, so we we uh, wind up on this guy's property, he's a hundred thousand uh, acre ranch, and uh, uh, he's a sheep uh, in the sheep industry, and and, uh, and so uh, we've been out all day doing all these things, and we came out at night. I had this massive dinner that they catered, you know, this dinner. And and, um, and then we're, we, hey, we'd like to retire to the drawing room with a cigar and a cognac, you know, which was exactly what we did. And I had, in those days, my lecturing skills were not not as good, you know. I used to have to read, I used to have to read, I have to remember my notes and read them, right? <laughs> so we're all bunkered down after a big beef meal and I'm, um, having the c- cigar and the cognac and in eighteen sixty four the samurai la 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 and la la
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually fell asleep giving my, <laughs> 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 my and my and friend my friend Roland Gill woke me up he goes since we could think uh you can not oh yeah what happened it was it's okay. Uh uh Phil Phil finished the lecture. We're good. We're good. That's let's, let's call it a night. Nice.
0: <laughs> I, I, uh, nice.
2: Uh, what was the most boring seminar you ever put on? Oh, the one I fell asleep on, by the way. So anyway.
0: I fell asleep on when I was giving Stories it. Stories
2: for Fireplace.
0: Nice. That's a Great. really good story. I love yeah. it. I'm very happy that you
2: listened to me for so long.
1: <laughs> Anytime. We we definitely won't leave it another four years before we do this again this time
2: yeah hey any any uh chances of uh traveling to this part of the world
3: oh there's
1: nothing well i would love to there's nothing in the pipeline yet but if if we ever do then we will definitely We, we yeah. Would, yeah i mean it's absolutely. it's you know i mean it's the
2: mecca of uh karate sooner or later people who especially with the traditional part not so much for the non-traditional people but uh and by the way i just i forgot to mention i'm uh <clears throat> i finally have organized my very first okinawan gathering Uh, It's going to be October because they have what they call Karate Day here once a year. Yeah. -hmm. Based upon that old 1936 Mm -hmm. meeting of the Masters. It's on October 25th. So from the 21st to the 24th, I've got a four day uh, international gathering. I was wanting to bring hundreds of people together, which uh, no problem. I mean, I got 230 people very angry that they can't come and I have 153 people who are really happy that they're uh, sorry, I I got 53 people. Over the hundred who are really happy that they already paid the money that they can come. Because I, I was told the cap had to be a hundred. It couldn't be any more than a hundred. But nobody told me that in the beginning, you know. And it wasn't because the facility can't, I mean, the facility can hold 500, no problem. It's the, you know, when you bring a tour together, it's all the other stuff. Booking hotels, booking. Rent- Hello, yes, I'd like to make a reservation. You yes, saw how many, sir? 150. <laughs> yes. Okay, I uh, don't think we can do that. Even the hotel banquet room is not big enough for 150 people, right? So we had to go to the convention center and stuff like that. So, but anyway, I've, I've got this massive gathering coming together because I haven't been out teaching. And I, the truth is, I'll tell you, the first few I'm, I'm not going anymore. I've, I've it's enough, I've done enough, I'm yeah. enough. I... There's nothing left to prove, you know. I don't. I don't need to prove anything. I, I, i got enough money. I got enough taps on the backs and accolades. I'm. I'm happy. I'm happy. My job now is to help empower as many other people as I can, who are interested in doing what we're doing. And if they are, and please. And one quick analysis is, uh, is I've managed to finally find a way, uh, to deliver my. Message without insulting her. I'm a master of insulting people. Even if I mean I, I could be an ice cream salesman, and somebody still wouldn't like me. You know, but I, it like the, it was like the Iron Maiden. Man, I, I you know if I, I could be if I, if I said I couldn't swim, they you know if I if I could walk on water, oh, it's because you can't bloody swim. You know, I everybody after me, everything. So I said. Kodi Uchinari is not a style. I didn't invent anything. It's a systematized body of two-person practices which you can slide under the foundation of your style without interfering with its cosmetic appearance nor its political infrastructure or cultural heritage and thereby empowering your position a little bit or a lot as you see fit. That's working, and people are taking little bits here and there. I said, and you don't need to tell anybody came for me. In fact, I insist you don't, and unless you want to, then I'll be very happy. that he, oh look, oh gosh, look, a person of integrity has actually cited his source. I'm very good with that. No, I'll never not be okay. I'll be very gracious and deeply grateful for you. But if you don't, it's okay. And that's and that's judging by the sales of the DVD. I gave all my stuff. By the way, I donated all my stuff to uh, uh, Bujin TV uh to yeah. james which yeah he's, he's he's such a great he's such a wonderful i don't know if you met james or, ah, yeah he's another one you should interview uh, we've, sp- oh we've, sp- we've
1: spoken to him but we haven't interviewed him he he actually grew up about 20 minutes from us but,
2: yeah yeah oh you're from that he's he is I, and he's an, fluent in japanese mm-hmm. uh married lovely family uh uh, wife is part of a very old, like a 300-year-old uh, tradition of, of uh, recipes for uh, producing candy, you know, uh, lollies, you know. Uh,
3: uh-huh.
2: uh, yeah, uh, oh, from the, from the royal family, by the way. And uh, guy got has got his own dojo. Uh, here's a foreigner teaching karate here, you know. And great guy. He, he lends me his dojo whenever I need it. We got this great pack together. I said, go ahead. I said, no. I said, take, take all my videos. And I said, I said, if they look, if there's if there's a little percentage you want to give me, I'm happy to do it. If not, I'm happy with that. And he goes, oh, that's great. And uh, and then they give me the uh, statistics every month. He's got hundreds of videos on his platform. I go, he's mm. very surprised that I'm I'm always the leader. I'm I'm uh, they, people watch my videos more. So I didn't even, you know, I have a YouTube channel. I, I shouldn't say I have a YouTube channel because I, mean, I don't even know how to use it. I just upload videos. I, I uploaded one of me singing a song in Japanese 35 years ago. I sound like a sick crow. But the guy wanted to see me singing a song because it's a very famous song. It's very hard to enunciate it because it's very poetic, you know. And it's a samurai song from a long time ago. So I put it up. And, Jesus, I'm going get it. So I, he said oh yeah click this button go there go there and you can see how many times people watch your videos mm. on, uh, YouTube. i said i didn't know that he says, it's called a statistic page you moron so i went my video channel has been watched more than a million times On, ah, impressive I, that's incredible I, I mean, I'm incredible so I, I so i remember on a, on a little thing I, I said hey hey my my uh hey my youtube channel that I've watched a million times and then he goes, "Oh, did you know there's all these things for comments?" And I went, "No." <laughs> it was like thousands and thousands of comments which no, have never been you know, authorized. <laughs> I never, author- I didn't know that you're supposed to authorize them. I didn't even know they were there to tell the truth. did all that time. I didn't even know it. So I said, "So, so one of my goals after I finish this book is to learn how to use two things. I want to learn how to use TikTok." Instagram, especially now that Elon Musk owns Twitter, I won't learn how to use that. And my YouTube channel to I learn how to put stuff on it. Oh I have a blog too, by the way. It's called eBlogger. It's eblogger.
0: I tell you what, Patrick, make sure that um we get I'll get um I'll try and say all of that again. After this, Greg, um get all of that from Patrick, all of yes. the links, and we'll make sure we share all yeah, of the we'll links share all your of it. blog everything we'll put a whole package up of all of your links i'll
2: send it to you i'll i'll just if greg if you remind me i gotta she's she's over it's dinner time
1: it's dinner time,
0: time. It's dinner that's time. fine
1: i'll 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 shoot you a message and uh yeah absolutely, yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll, we'll get it all shared we did
2: it again look at that look at that four five six three hours and 15 minutes three hours yes, and 15
0: minutes. absolutely but this time I think last time we worried that our audience couldn't cope with such a long broadcast now we know they can take it
3: so oh they can take so... it, oh. it yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they have anyway look guys and... uh, love you miss you thank you very much for bringing me back again on the show thank sure. you so much for coming back yes. and uh, we'll time. definitely do this again so and stay in touch and uh, best of luck to you and,
0: and to you. you take care